podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, oh, you yeah. little prick. But then I've got the Phoenix. Hey, prick. So I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. Absolute disgrace. I'm sure this- no one will mind. Move him out of here, Darren. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual. I never said that. Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. Get out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, Natters, Messenger Group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Jay Bump. You know what I'm saying? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 461st edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining us on the call, we have Matty DiGelonardo, Andy Patterson, Ozzy Smith, and Danny Young, going live on YouTube every Sunday evening from 8 o'clock. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everybody, as always, listening through the week on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of February. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Plenty going on this weekend. Obviously, we've got the Calm Brook chat coming up later on. Rapping Rob Kelly will no doubt join us. A few interesting value of the weeks as well. Andy's looking forward to that. Were you looking forward, Andy, to the John Ryder versus Danny Jacobs fight on zone last night, this morning, whenever you got a chance to watch it? Bit of a contentious decision, contentious scoring going on. But if there's one person who deserves a decision, it's our old pal, John Ryder. Yeah, as I say, so it probably doesn't make it right. Um... To be honest, I wasn't really close to scoring a fight. Um, I did get the impression that I felt he either had a, he needed a couple of knockdowns or at least a knockout, going uh, down the stretch at least. I just thought he left it kind of late to get started. Um, not so much passive than that, but he was getting picked off at range, I felt, in the early half of the early half of the fight. I thought Jacobs was pretty much in control. Shot out, possibly, you could you could say. It wasn't until about the 7th or the 8th, I thought John started getting in, in more into the fight. Probably rocked, maybe even hurt Jacobs around by the eighth. I think it was. Uh, had a f- few good moments in the tenth, um, but just, just to me, I, I just thought it, if he gave away the first six rounds, then if you get in a, a couple of close rounds and you know in the, in, in the next six, you kind of run the risk. Really, uh, so if, there's a, if there's a close round, it can maybe go you, you know, go against you and that. So I kind of felt in the end that going into the, the last few rounds that he needed a few knockdowns or a knockout to win. So I, to pair. Personally, honestly, I thought Jacobs probably just slightly shaded the fight. Um, I'm not going to go and cry robbery. Um, I, I get the, the arguments or, or, or the calls that, you know, he's, he's been jobbed against Smith. 
Arfield, no, sorry, Arnfield, the, the type of things and that. But you know, I see that the same thing with John Simpson when he got jobbed again when he got the decision against Choi up in Glasgow. You know, the amount of times he got jobbed on the cards and that, and he finally got the decision. You know, go his way for a change. Um, still did they make it right? You know, but as well as people are, you know, some people are calling a robbery. Um, I guess other people will be on the call shortly, and that and they'll be giving their take, and we'll get somebody else in the call later on as well. So uh, I'll pass it back out to the guys, mate. No problem, Andy. Nothing for something there. Shout out to him in the chat. He says, turn the fight off in the 10th. Figured Jacobs had it won. We were talking off air there, Ozzy, about punching power. Golovkin stuck Jacobs down. John seemed to have a bit of a dig going on last night. He might have hurt Jacobs at some point later on in the fight. Yeah, I think round eight, he hurt him and hurt him badly as well. And when Golovkin dropped Jacobs, Jacobs, I thought, shot straight back up and you could tell he'd been hurt, he'd been hit, but he wasn't, you know, days. Whereas I thought when John like hurt him, he he genuinely looked hurt, and I thought, you know, you, you can tell you've got the power there, and I, I just I don't understand why it took you know through eight rounds to start letting his hands go. I mean, realistically, round seven was probably went like right, we need to do start doing something. Um, I tweeted out saying, you know, it'd be some game plan if it pays off because. For me, I felt like, you know, in the first six, it was, I'd say, pretty much all Danny Jacobs. I could see why potentially some uh, judge, a couple of judges may have given John, you know, a round or two early on. Uh, because ultimately, like, while Jacobs was in, you know, like, a bit like autopilot, really, but he wasn't doing a lot. And when it got close, he was, you know, like this disgusting, you know, like smothering, a bit like Lawrence Acoli used to do, if anything, you know, like spoiling tactics. And mm. um, I'd, I'd say one thing that Jacobs was probably a shadow of what he used to be. Um, we probably, I think we called that last week in a, in a perspective of he, when he fought Gay Brasado somebody of Danny Jacobs' quality should not be going the distance and potentially getting beat off Gabe Brasado. If I put Gabe Brasado and John Ryder in the ring tomorrow, I think John would beat Gabe Brasado comfortably. Whereas if, you know, I would never say Gabe Brasado should be ever, you know, like taking, you know, like a fighter like Danny D Jacobs. Not necessarily saying the distance, but, you know, in a very close fight. But I think as Andy said, you know, like it was close, um, very close, and I, I understand why a lot of people had Danny Jacobs winning. Um, I saw some people saying it was an easy fight to score, but then those people who said it was an easy fight to score also then said that Chris Eubank Jr. against Billy Joe Saunders wasn't the walkover some people scored it as. So it's, it is all about how you interpret a fight, but ultimately um, it doesn't make it right, but I agree that for John Ryder, who's in a career from where he's bounced back from losses, and aside from the Nick Blackwell fight from where he was knocked out, and that wasn't a controversial stoppage, he was knocked out, and that is a fair stoppage. Aside from that, you look at it back, and Callum Smith, I rarely saw, bar the Smith brothers, I think everybody had John Ryder winning that fight. Rocky Fielding, I'd say it was more than 50%, more than probably 60 or 70% weighted towards John Ryder winning that fight against Rocky Fielding. And also Jack Arnfield as well. Again, you know, if people, a lot of people felt that he had, uh, he was beating Jack Arnfield, and also Billy Joe Saunders. I, I always said that Jack uh, John Ryder gave Billy Joe Saunders one of his most difficult fights, and that was for the British title. It was on a Warren card, and I, I always say, had that been on a matchroom card, I would not have been shocked if that had gone the other way potentially.
So it doesn't make it right, by the way, you know, like the judges. But what we can't argue is, whilst it was in the UK, it wasn't three UK judges. I think there was American, you know, I, I can't remember. There was Marcus McDonnell who scored it for Danny Jacobs. I think there was an American and somebody, I forget the other oh, one. There's an American here called Mike Fitzgerald and there was Jean-Robert Lane. Um, French sure guy, yeah. And, and I'd say, Rich yeah, and I'd say the most... Yeah, and I'd say the most dubious card was the Frenchman's, who had, I think he had John winning three or four early rounds, and I can't see that personally winning four, personally. Uh, but, like I say, if, if anybody's due a rubber the green, you know, and getting that home cooking, it is John Ryder. Um, it was announced that it was an eliminator for um, David Morell's WBA regular title, I don't understand why it needed to be an eliminator because John's already mandatory and they had that Morel fight lined up. Morel can't fight outside the um, can't fight outside uh, America, so it makes it difficult. And do I want to see John Ryder go to the US and fight David Morel? Absolutely not. Um, they were talking about the Canelo fight. If he comes to the UK, John's the one that deserves the fight. Absolutely, I'm all for that. Do I think John can go beat Canelo? Probably not. But will I begrudge him an opportunity? Absolutely not. Um, but it is difficult now, and you know, we we may well get to speak to him, you know, later down the line to see what his plans are and what he thinks coming. Uh, One sixty eight. There are opportunities there. You know, it doesn't just need to be Canelo. I know he's swallowing up a load of belts, but when you've got Danny Jacobs now on your record, you know, there's going to be opportunities. Uh, Gabe Rosado was commentating for a reason last night. I wouldn't be shocked if we see that. Um, Lerone Richards is in the matchroom camp do I want to see that fight against John no Lerone Richards is boring um, and just because you know he's won that IBO belt doesn't mean he's you know at that level and I, I think he's a disaster to watch and I think that fight against John would be horrendous to watch as well but overall you know I, I thought the fight started off horrendous it, it looked awful and I was close to turning it off really because it was that boring but when John, you know, started to let his hands go and felt, you know, like it's like the confidence was there, he made it into a good fight. Um, and yeah, just, just really pleased for him, you know. I, I say it every week, you know, nine times out of ten, records are for DJs. And John Ryder has proved that. He could have easily jacked it in after getting knocked out off Nick Blackwell, you know, having a rough decision against Rocky Fielding. But he came back, he took his decision, you know, took his chances in the away corner. And look where he's at now. He's just had a big win. And, you know, what? why not? He's technically mandatory for a version of a world title. But there's no reason why he can't go and get another opportunity elsewhere. Well said, Ozzy. A different perspective here coming from Danny Young. Rather than sitting at home on the telly, Danny was there in all his glory buying those £6 pizza slices. How was it? What was the, the view or the buzz at ringside, Danny, after the decision and during the fight itself? And the pizza didn't come with the price of a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I didn't have a slice of pizza last night. Um, I was feeling a bit a bit ropey, but anyway. Um, the um, yeah, it was a bit subdued. I don't know how it came across on TV, and yet to watch it back yet. But um, it just it well for my I was about uh, what I'd say about I don't know twenty foot away from ring from the ring, um, something like that, and it just looked scrappy. Truth be told, John didn't look like he could get inside fairly easy. And I think, obviously, you look at his against Callum Smith, a lot of his work was 
good work was up close in that. And obviously, I thought that his good work was up close in this fight, but I just think he found it harder to get inside. Obviously, Jacobs is a bit of a, bit of a longer reach and things like that. And I just think he, at times he, he just struggled to, you know, to do that. He's, but then again, his best work kind of came when I felt like he kind of forced him against the ropes. And when he had him against the ropes, that was when you almost got a little bit of a buzz from the crowd then. But yeah, it just looks scrappy on TV. And I've got to be honest, as much as I, like, again, I was there for John last night supporting John. That's why I went. Um, and and I want him to get the decisions like we've all said. He hasn't had the rub of the green recently. But I personally, going into the car, before the cards were read out, I didn't see it was going to be in John's favour. And and I'm, I don't get me wrong, I'm absolutely delighted it is because obviously I want a bit of money off that last night. So great. But yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm a little bit baffled by it truth be told because I thought I thought Jacobs was kind of coasting and I mean coasting early on because he wasn't really doing anything and I think like we all say I think he's 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 not shot not the boxer he was um but yeah it was all a bit subdued and I think obviously until the later rounds where John really kind of I think I think John really learned that his power wasn't doing much to put him away that he actually um stepped it up and yeah it it was you know I thought he was good in 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 the last few rounds and like and like Ozzy said hurt him um towards the end um but yeah strange 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 one for me from from ringside Lovely stuff, Danny. Uh, stay with us. We'll come back. Uh, hold that thought, as they say. Delighted to welcome Andy Clark on the call this Sunday evening. How are you keeping this uh, Sunday, Andy? Not bad, lads. Not bad. How are you all? Not too bad at all. We're talking a bit of John Ryder there, actually. I don't know if you managed to catch the fight last night. If so, what did you make of it? I didn't see it, unfortunately. Um, I kind of have to agree. If, if I'm if I'm not working weekends, like I don't sit and watch five or six hours of boxing on <laughs> on a Saturday night. My my wife. Yeah, she's she's not going to suffer that. But um, I was following it. I was following it on Twitter, and it kind of sounded like. So it'd be interesting to to hear what you think. I know you've just been talking about it, and you won't want to go over old ground. But it sounded like Jacobs won the first six, or certainly won the first half, um, and John won the second half. But most people who I kind of listened to from the comments, they they made it seem like they thought that Jacobs probably nicked a round or two in the second six, whereas he won all of the first six, so they had him winning. But it was yeah. close enough, maybe. I don't know. It was. It's, it sounded to me like Jacob's got the rough end of the stick, but I haven't seen it. you yeah, got to be careful here. Steve, Steve and Andy are going to be worried that your wife's going to start talking to their wives and they're not going to be able to watch five and six hours of boxing on a Saturday night. They're like, shut up. Don't tell Wait, but, well, hear those. Andy, how long have you been for me? Um, God, I should know that. Uh, three and a half years. Ah, there you go. I'm 15 years, mate. So you know, I can. I'm happy to watch five hours of boxing every Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not out of the question. Um, it just. I just kind of. I sort of tested the temperature yesterday, and I thought this isn't going to. There's a political. You've got to pick your battles, haven't you? This is. Um, and most weekends I'm away. Life, actually, eh? Most weekends I'm away, and I just got the feeling that last night it would have. It would have gone down like. Uh, like a shit sandwich, so I, so I, you know, I thought better save it for another weekend. I, I'm lifelong bachelor. I picked some wrong fucking battles, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Defend yourself at all times. That's what I say. Defend yourself at all times. Tell you what, then. Well, we'll go to safer territory then, Andy. Nice easy one for you. What first got you into boxing all those years ago? So I just kind of like I'm 44, so boxing wasn't in schools when I was a kid. I mean, it probably wasn't for any of us. I don't, I don't know how old no. you lads are, but I guess it wasn't for any of us. I was obsessed with sport and I'd play any sport, you know, that, that kind of 
reared its head really at school or whatever. But because boxing wasn't at school, it never really was on my radar as something that I would actually do, as in go down to a local club. I didn't know where the local club was. There was one where I was. It was quite a sleepy town I grew up in, but there was one. I just wasn't really aware of it. And none of my friends really did it. So it wasn't something that, that I actually did, but I became aware of it on TV, really. And just kind of, I don't know, it 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 just got into me. I remember the first thing, I, the first kind of fights or fighter I remember is, is Darren Dyer, um, who did turn pro, but he was a really good amateur. And I, I'm not going to pretend to be some kind of ABA hipster at the age of eight. That would be painful. But yeah. all I remember is that, I do remember watching Grandstand. I think it was on record. It had been recorded from like the previous week or, or whatever it was. Um, and it was him winning, win, winning, winning the ABAs. Didn't know what that was at the time, obviously, but that's what it was. And he won by stoppage, um, landed a really good uppercut. And I just remember watching on the TV and just thinking, wow, this is interesting. And then a few months later, I saw the same guy on the Commonwealth Games. And I probably watched every minute of that Commonwealth Games coverage. You know, I, we were probably... Like I say, we were all probably the same in that we would just like watch anything for hours, like kayaking, whatever it was. <laughs> and the boxing came on and there he was again. And and he was just splattering people, Darren Dye. I remember he just knocked out this Australian kid. And and so that just kind of lodged with me and, and it just went from there, really. And then, you know, you're into kind of like Tyson. Um, and I'm, not, I'm just out of work this afternoon and I was coming home. I'm, I'm reading The War by Don Stradley at the minute about Hagler Hearns, which is, which is a really, really good read. You know, I, I really enjoyed getting into those those kind of deep dives into into big fights. And they mention um, Tommy, Hearns, Tommy Hearns against Dennis Andrews in 1987. And as I was reading it, I just thought, I remember that. I remember that. Um, getting knocked down again and again and again, and but just kept getting up. And yeah, it was just... It went kind of like that for me, really. And then once you got into Eubank, Ben, then I was, you know, it was, it just seemed a lot more kind of present to me at that point. And I was just completely obsessed with that. I was completely obsessed with that. Um, and and I, and I was, you know, I was, there was no hope for me after that, really. Yeah, it's funny you should mention Darren Dyer. They're a bit of a niche name from the past. Big puncher actually knocked out the referee, Ian John Lewis, back in the 90s, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, like my, what, my, um, my wife used to do a bit of training at Islington. She does like boxing. Like she does uh-huh. like boxing. She's 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 no kind of shrinking violet. And she did a bit of training up there probably about three or four years ago when we didn't live too far away. And he was one of the coaches. And, and she said to me, Oh, I said, So who are your coaches then? And she said, you know, Darren Dyer. And I almost kind of exploded with excitement. <laughs> um uh, and I met him at one of the shows and rambled incoherently at him about about what I've just said to you fellas. And um, yeah, he looked at me like I was slightly mad and sort of gently sidled away but it's funny what gets you into things isn't it and who you remember and 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 it was him because yeah in the space of a two or three months I just saw him just knocking people out basically and and I, I appreciate the finer technicalities of the sport and everything about it really now but but when you first start watching boxing let's not pretend we, we want to see people get but that's what we want to see isn't it that that's where the real as a young man for me anyway, that, that you don't see that in any other sport. Like I love football and I love cricket, but you don't see that, you know, that was yeah. something new and that was something, you know, that, that gets really the adrenaline flowing like, like nothing else. And it still does now always will. You mentioned the memories and the things that brought you in. Obviously you're a boxing commentator. Can you remember the first truly memorable fight that you commentated on the one that you go back to the one that you thought, wow, that, that was amazing. I mean, the, the best one I've done is is Fury Wilder, but obviously that was like five or six months ago. But 
you the first the first main event I did for Sky was in April 2012, and it wasn't like a classic fight, but I was just so. I mean, I was all over it because I got good warning for it from quite a long way out. And so I was, you know, I was just thinking about that fight night and day for, for weeks beforehand. And it was it was Derry Matthews against Anthony Crawler um, yeah. at Oldham Leisure Centre. And I do actually think that that was a really good fight with a really good story about it. And, you know, it was it was kind of the spark for, for Derry to have a bit of an Indian summer. Um, so for a first one, that was a real good one. Um it is difficult to pick them out. In terms of a fight that I went to and watched, like one of the early fights I was ringside for with, with Sky, I'd done the undercard, was, was Butte Frotch. And that had a big effect on me, that fight, because it was the, the atmosphere was unbelievable. I mean, it was... Yeah. I'd been to loads of... I'd been to quite a lot of boxing at that point, but but nothing... I'd been to... I went to see Lennox Lewis box Franz Boater, and that was great. And, you know, I, I went off to a few other cards and... But I was quite busy, like between 2000 and 2010. I covered a lot of football during that period. So it was quite hard to get to fights, really. But Butte against Froch was just, it was just mega. I mean, it was, it was on late because they, it, North American TV took it. No one really big took it. Ours was kind of the way with Froch during that period, although he was back on Sky. And, and just the atmosphere of it was was just off the charts. It, it was, was a significant statement performance as well. Yeah, it? it was huge. And I, I think it will always take some beating for me because it was kind of back at the start of my my involvement with with boxing with, you know, professionally, if you like. Um, I always re- I really, really enjoyed Sam Eggington, Frankie Gavin. Me and Macklin talk about that one quite a lot. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's we just really loved that fight. Again, I loved the build-up because it was a, a Birmingham derby and there was, you know, relationships between the corners and there was quite a lot yeah. of needle and all that kind of stuff. You know, I do love local bragging rights are, are brilliant. You know, when you, t- I was got asked the other day about um, kind of bad blood fights, talk sport are doing a, a documentary. I think it's coming out today actually about Carl Brook on bad blood and all the rest of it. And it's, we get a bit bored of it sometimes, don't we? When you think it's manufactured, oh. but when you think back to it, like the best rivals re- rivalries really are between you know, people from the same place. It's always it's always the problem with minor differences, isn't it? You know, you yeah. think, well, they, they, these two should get on. They're from they're from the same city. They live a street away from each other, but that's enough to make them hate each other. Um, that kind of local element to to any fight, I think, is whatever level it is. You know, I think is great. I mean, I've had some brilliant area title fights. I love area title fights, um, and they don't get the airtime. I understand why they don't get it because a prospect who's won an Olympic medal or, or done well in the amateurs. You want to build them, but, but area title fights are just English title fights are just guaranteed. Really good, really good action. We had a really good Ryan Kelly against Adam Harper on the same card. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like just stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's yeah. You mentioned Sky there, obviously with the commentating and stuff. How did you first find your way into Sky? So I, I, um, I worked for TalkSport for about, well, about 10 years in the end, but I kind of, about 2008, I started to, I started in 2000 and 2008, I started to sidle from um, radio to TV or try to. A mm-hmm. um, couple of years later, I sent a, I'd sent a tape into to Sky Football um, and they went for it. And I got on their list to do Premier League games like the Saturday. Well, they don't really exist anymore, but the Saturday three o'clock kickoffs, yeah. um, not like Super Sunday or anything, but um once I'd done a year of that, like I'd always wanted to work in boxing, but when I started, it's, it's totally different to how it is now. Whereas now you can, you know, the best way in is still to go in via a channel or a station and get your foot in the door. That's still the best way. 
because you get shown things and, and you get taught stuff. But it's a lot harder because like, I went in through radio and back then there were loads of radio stations that did their own sport and now they just aren't. So that, that route's not really that open. But that's how I went in. And so you learn how to do the job. People teach you how to do the job and then you do what you're told. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realised there's no way I can just kind of decide that I'm going to concentrate on boxing. I just won't get any work and I'll be, you know, I'll be out on the street. So yeah. um, I had to get kind of 10 years under my belt before I could think, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can segue into boxing. Um, so anyway, I'd done a year at Sky doing football. And then at that point, I knew a pal of mine who I used to work at TalkSport with, TalkSport with was in the boxing department. Um, and he got me a kind of chat with Adam Smith. And it just so turned out that at that point, they actually kind of needed someone as backup. Yeah. Um, and that's how it that's how it started, really. I look at it now and I thought my knowledge at the time was good. Like I'm not I never get ahead of myself. You know, I'm not I'm one of these people who definitely I know what I don't know. I'm, I'm always aware of how much I don't know if I feel like you have to be like that, that I think. Don't yeah. You? If, if, if I feel like that, that's the case. But actually, at that point, I really, really wasn't aware of, of how much I didn't know. Um, but I quickly did become aware of it. Um but I just loved it from the start. I'd found with football that that the the research side of it as a commentator, I'd found was a bit of a slog. Um, I just didn't really enjoy it that much. I love going to the game, but the, the kind of digging into the background of it, I didn't really enjoy that much. Um, but with boxing, I, I did. I loved it. It just went completely the other way, you know, just four round prelims, whatever fight, prospect against journeyman. I, you know, you just end up going down some wormhole and, never to return and that that's basically what happened yeah there's no uh, sport quite like boxing just to remind our listeners we have boxing commentator andy clark on the call follow him on twitter at mr andy clark a couple more questions for andy before we let him go uh, one from danny young who's on the panel tonight danny i believe you have a question jumping ahead there sir yeah cheers steve uh andy obviously you do, you do a great job um ringside for sky um and in particular your scorecards um just, just I suppose, like one of my frustrations as a boxing fan is some of um, your fellow co-commentators, commentators' scorecards, and how wide they can be sometimes when everyone's watching a different fight and things like that. So I suppose two questions rolled into one: what What are your thoughts on that? And obviously, secondly, how difficult do you think it is to score ringside when you're sat up that close to the action? Well, it, weirdly, and I don't, I don't even really know why this is the case, but but it's a lot harder to score a fight when you're also commentating than it is if you're just there to score the fight, which is what I've done a lot of um, for Sky the last two, three years. I find keeping a card when I'm commentating quite difficult because it shouldn't be because you're doing the same thing. You're just watching every second of the fight. But what you can find that happens sometimes is that you're, you're kind of living it second by second and you get halfway through it. And you realise that you don't, your memory hasn't necessarily really logged what has happened. It, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense when I say it out loud, but but it does happen. So I always feel like for Macklin, um, for Matt Macklin, who, when he does his card, or if it's Andy on the zone or, or, or Richie uh, on BT or whoever it is, it is actually quite difficult to do it and commentate. I don't, like I say, I don't really know why, but it's definitely harder. Um I, I've always enjoyed doing it. When I, when I was asked to do it, I fancied it straight away. And I think it's quite unusual that... I think most people don't really fancy it, not because they don't think they can do it. I think there's plenty of people out, out there who would, who, who would reckon that they could do it. But I think a lot of people just probably don't like the idea of the amount of scrutiny it gets. 
Um, people have got a lot to say about scoring, but it just doesn't, you know, that doesn't really, that doesn't bother me at all. But but sitting up close ringside, it, it is just the best place. It is just the best place to be able to score a fight. It can look different on the TV. Uh, that, that's something that, and I understand why, that's something that, that viewers and boxing fans don't really like to hear people say because it, it can sound like a bit of an excuse if if your card's different to how everybody's seen it at home. And it's not the case with every fight, definitely not. But some fights, they really do look different um, ringside than they do than they do at home. But in terms of scoring it, you've just got to make up your mind what it is that you're looking for um, and trust yourself. It's as simple as that. I mean, But it is frustrating. I mean, I, there are some things I find frustrating about it. I find that the phrase, it depends on what you like, incredibly frustrating because... <laughs> It doesn't depend on what you like. People talk about, you know, do you favour the fighter moving forward or the fighter boxing off the back foot, you know, the, the more aggressive one or the more technically correct one. None of that matters. Like All you're looking for is who lands what. It doesn't matter who's on the front foot or who's on the back foot, who looks great or who looks like shit. It just matters who lands what and what effect it has. That's it. The only subjective element to it is how do you work out who's won around if one's lands five heavy punches and the other lands 15 lighter ones. How do you balance those scales? And that's subjective because you've just got to make a decision and you might think one thing and I might think another. Um, but there is a lot of bollocks talked about scoring, but but ultimately it is, it is simple it, it, as in you've just got to decide who you feel has punched more effectively in that round. And that's, that's, that's basically it. But I mean, it's a never ending debate, isn't it? People will just go round and round and round in circles with it. Um, but you yeah, do get a lot of fights. You do get a lot of fights which are legitimately very close and could go either way. Um, you get, you get, you know, you get plenty of them. You get plenty of them. And, but some people just don't seem to really want to embrace the idea that you can have a fight where 115, 113, either way or anything in between is fine. Uh huh. Now, I was going to say, I empathise with you. I've told the boys here before many a time, but I used to do the, the Carl Frampton round-by-round round for the Sunday papers. And you see, when I handed that scorecard in and all the round-by-rounds, I would have been bricking it because if you're way off from everybody else, that's there in print the next morning for everybody to see. You know, so it's, it was more stressful than you would think. Oh, no, I can totally understand that. I can totally understand that. And and actually, like anyone who who scores a fight round by round on Twitter and, and puts their score up fair dues, you know, because you're putting yourself out there. I know it's just, it's just a social media platform, but you know, boxing's got a, a pretty kind of dedicated regular crowd around fight nights, isn't it? Um, I would say we all know each other, but you know, you recognize a lot of names there, a lot of people you are chatted to, but you get a lot of people who don't score it round by round, who don't put the, put their score out there and they just wait for the, for the consensus afterwards and then kind of jump on the bandwagon or you'll say, did you, did you score it round by round? And they'll say, no, but I had it 116, 112. <laughs> and you think, well, no, you didn't because you didn't score it round by round. That's, that's another, you know, that, that's another aspect to it where people will watch a fight and, you know, you win all of your six rounds, you win six, I win six, you win your six big, I nick my six or not as big. And you have a big final round. But the overall impression, if you're giving kind of like impression scoring, would be that you've won, but but you haven't. And I had one of them with Katie Taylor Delphin pursuing the first fight where mm. I had it a draw. Um, one of the judges had it a draw. Steve Farhood, who was there, who I've got massive respect for, he had it a draw. And 
Pursun won her rounds big and Katie won her rounds smaller and Pursun had a massive final round. And so everybody thought she won. But on balance of how you score boxing, it was really close. Um, but, you know, people kind of... It's difficult to have a... It can be hard to have a, a productive debate about scoring. Um, I mean, Katie Taylor's usually the one way where you get the most grief because you, if you dare score a round against Katie Taylor, um, <laughs> most of Ireland just slides into your DMs and, you know, <laughs> cause you all sorts of things. Uh, just a quick fire one to close things out, Andy, and we do appreciate your time. Uh, obviously, I'm not asking for a prediction as such because you'll probably be involved in some capacity, but Khan versus Book coming up this Saturday. Any thoughts, anything you want to put on record with us? I've got no idea what's going to happen in that. I'm, I'm doing it for, for uh, covering it for TalkSport, and I've thought about it like as much as I would think about any fight that's coming up so so a lot, and I just don't. I don't know. I really, I, honestly, I, what 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 do you lot think? Because it's when I think about it, I think well, they are kind of equally faded. Mm-hmm. Amir's resume is better. So if somebody asks me for a favorite, who's favorite? You've got to make him favorite, I think, because he's done more. But then again, but th- this is a good example. I say that, but then at welterweight, he hasn't because he hasn't won a world title at welterweight, and Kel has. Um, I think. I think he'll look can look amazing for the first four or five rounds if it goes that far. And then if it does, I think Brook will then knock him out for about seven or eight because... Do you think he can stop he Brook in those to... first four or five, though? No, I think what, what it'll be like... If can, Brook's uh, weight drained. If, if it's like Brooke's the Canelo fight. I suppose, I, but if it's like the Canelo fight, for example, I had Can winning that fight five zip until he got knocked out. So I could see something yeah, like that Yeah, so happen. did I. I see yeah. Like that happen. Yeah. I... Uh... Sorry, I, I was going to say I agree in the fact that I think I think the big difference is is that we're forgetting that Kelbrook was really struggling to make one four seven, and there's also a weight clause. Amir Khan revealed that in a recent interview that they've all bo- they've both got to hit a certain target and they can't go over it until they uh, in, in, enter the ring. So I think that's a big difference from a case of Kelbrook's a big big guy at one four seven. And if he's having to watch his weight until ultimately, you know, he makes the, you know, like the IBF 10 pound weigh in the day after. Yeah. Once yeah, that's gone, one, that's absolutely fine. But yeah, it's, Kel, one four, I mean, it's one four nine. It's sorry. It's one four nine, isn't it? And then it's one four, yeah. it's one six, three and a half, I think. Yeah. Um, and we know Kel puts a lot of weight on, you know, when he, you know, after he can do that. And look, don't get me wrong, there's some decent weight there. I mean, I looked at Khan, you know, he uploaded a picture and I thought he looked really good. Um, <sighs> It's tough, really, because like you say, Andy, the, is. they're both shot in their equal rights, you know, in terms of the by no means the, the best of what they were. And I always felt that if they were at the peak, I always felt that Amir Khan would would beat Kel Brook. And, and thinking about that, I think Kel, as you know, he never looked good against Michael Zarafa, but then Amir Khan didn't look good against Sammy Vargas. I do wonder if it's a case of who's got, you know, the most in it. I think it's a bit of a myth somewhat that Khan's got a, a bad chin because I always relate to the Maidana fight from where, you know, yeah. he took some big shots in that. And I don't think Kells as big a hitter as what people make him out to be. But Khan's speed will never go. You know, it, it's still shown that he's still got quick hands. And I wonder if he might just be a bit too slick for Kell Brook and... Will he get him out of there? I don't know, but I think he might get too many rounds in the bank from where Kel might struggle to keep up. 
because I can't see Cole forcing a fight from where it will be extremely quick from where Carnal gas personally anyway. But it's while it's not the fight it was, I still think it's a great fight. I think it'd be because, a fun fight, Oz, you know. I think it'd be yeah, fun. It, it, it'll be a fun, it'll be a great fight because ultimately I don't know anybody who can confidently pick a winner. I'm yet no, to speak no, to one anyway. No, 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 me. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm reading this book at the minute about about Hagler Hearns, and I just wonder. We're not going to get that, but I just wonder if we might get something along those lines where they just Kel Brook possibly might just think like I'm just going to I'm just going to step into the middle of the ring and smash him. Um, I don't rate his chin. I maybe haven't got more than about five or six in me, but I think I'm stronger than him. I'm bigger than him. It's the other great thing about it for me is, is that they're two fighters I've just genuinely have always really liked. I, I thought, you know, Khan was great at super lightweight. And then it, you know, that defeat to Lamont Peterson was a big blow. And then Danny Garcia. And it's amazing to think that he's, he's never even, you know, he's never won a world title at welterweight. And and with Cowley, it was, he just could he could have done more, couldn't he? He, yeah. he definitely, definitely could have done more because he looked, he was really good when he, I mean, actually, that fight against Sean Porter is a good example of what we were just talking about from a scoring point of view. I watched that at home, and I had Porter winning. I had Porter 115-113. I was in a minority, but I did it properly. I was honest about it. I spoke to my colleagues who had been over there for Sky, and I said, you know, I, like I sitting at home, I, I, I had Porter winning that fight. And they said, no, 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 ringside, it was clear. Um, anyway, I'm digressing back to something. I've had were... that a few times with me. I remember when Ricky Burns fought a, a, a guy called Gonzalez, um, it was one that the, the, the guy ended up quitting in it, but Burns was getting a lot of problems that night, and I was at ringside for that one, I thought Burns was maybe slightly ahead, because a lot of the shots that I was seeing was getting blocked, especially the ones yeah. about the body and that. If you look at it, when I watched it back on TV, I could see that those same shots looked like they were actually landing, so I could see why people were maybe scoring it for the other guy. Yeah, I, I've always said, I've always said though that, I'm a big believer that judging needs to evolve and that ringside judging is somewhat outdated because I think if you could stick three judges in a booth, like a soundproof booth from where they're not, you know, not bothered by, you know, like the crowds, you know, like Johnny Fisher, for example, had two and a half, three thousand people there last night. Mm. And if it was a close fight, naturally it's human nature. You're going to be lured in by, you know, the noise and, you know, a punch from, say, one angle of a ring, you might think it's landed, yet I'm on the opposite side of the ring and it's been blocked. Yeah, yeah you know, I, there, there, I'm a belief- there, yeah, there is a I'm strong a argument for that, for that kind yeah. of everybody at least looking at the same thing because yeah, being, uh, on, being on different sides of the ring, you know, that... It makes Daniel, a difference. Daniel du- it does. Daniel Dubois, Joe Joyce was one of the craziest fights I've been at from yeah. the point of view of scoring because I was sitting on one side and... I had it through nine rounds, 6-3 to Dubois. Like, he's winning battles, but he's not winning the war. It was one of those fights. Yeah. Like, you could tell that he was in I, trouble. You could tell yeah, he was in trouble. He, well. he was letting his hands go. And he, and as far as I was concerned, he was quite obviously ahead. Um, we finished the fight. I, I, I kind of walked out the exit. And everybody, was, we were deep in COVID at that point. So everybody who kind mm-hmm. of was on my side of the ring, like Frampton, um, David Hay couple of Chris McKenna, a couple of other lads, we all walked out the same way and we're talking about it. And we all had Dubois ahead uh, to varying degrees. Um, I got out of tube, I got out of the tube to go home at the other end. And I just realized that, you know, the world had gone mad and everybody was kicking off and going mental about the scoring because everybody thought that Joyce was well ahead. And I just thought, wow, I did not see that from 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 where I was. And but the judges' scores, one had um Dubois comfortably Dubois ahead. ahead. Um, yeah. One had 
um, Joyce three up and one had it basically even. So that's just mm. a great illustration of that because that that can only be that that's different angles there. of the it ring. Must, yeah, yeah, different angles of yeah. the ring. Yeah, uh, and I mean, what what we can't use is that the sound argument. Then is that Pet Bailey no sod was in the uh, well? I can't even remember. It was like a random like church hall or something yeah, like that's real right. random. Yeah, yeah. It was re- it. it was a nice venue, but it was really odd. So there was there was God must have been about hundred people in there. So the sound can't affect it. But still, one thing you'll never change in boxing is the angle of the rings. And I'm a I'm a believer that if we want scoring to improve, you want three judges seeing the same camp, like you know, same shot. So they're all seeing the same you know stuff, and they'll watch it basically from a TV camera more than being ringside because. They don't achieve anything from being, you know, like the ringside judges. If they're in, you know, they're in a booth in the same arena, that's absolutely fine. But at least you'll then get three people watching the same sort of shots and they'll call it looking at the same footage. Whereas if they're at different angles of the the ring, naturally you're going to see different stuff because Marcus McDonald sitting at one side, you know, he scored it for Danny Jacobs last night, yet the, the Frenchman, scored it well in favour of John Ryder. And he had, you know, a lot of people said that the first six rounds saw it to Danny Jacobs, yet the Frenchman scored more to John than they did uh, Danny Jacobs. And that can only be on... To to the French surviving his victory, Oz. It it all makes sense when you look at that scorecard. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, though, as well, for me, it goes on an angle that I might look at it and think, well, you can throw 50 shots... But if John Ryder blocks every one of them, just because you're throwing punches, ultimately, if you're not landing anything, who cares? Whereas I'm at the other side and I might see a shot land, whereas I'm on the opposite side and I think it's been blocked. And that's where I think that boxing could well develop for the right reasons. It might not work out, but what have they got to lose? Because how many times, and I've always said, that good cards and good fights are marred by controversial scoring decisions so if boxing can look to change things, what's it got to lose? For me, nothing. Well, and, and I just, Andy, I just want to throw this out. And something I've thought about is, I mean, ringside, you actually have your view, uh, you know, obscured by the ropes. And sometimes I wonder, do judges not give enough weight to body shots because that's just the way they score? Or is it because they aren't as visually apparent from ringside? Yeah, maybe. I mean, there, there are there are things at ringside that can be a little bit of a, a problem. Um, where I would sit would be, I mean, the judge gets in my way sometimes because I'm sitting kind of right right behind them. But in terms of what they can see, I'm pretty much seeing what what they can see. But there is stuff you can't see, like you say, the, the ropes can get in the way, and they've got their back to you. The referee can get in the way sometimes. It's it's always been an imperfect kind of thing. But I don't think there is anything to lose by by trialing a new system and just seeing what what the results are like. Because I'll tell you what was really interesting about COVID was that the the commentary position was quite a long way from the ring. Um, I'm quite used to that because in a lot of amateur tournaments, um, like international amateur tournaments I do, that's the case. And I'll still watch the ring and I've got, I'm lucky I've got good eyesight. So if I'm set back a bit, I'll still watch the ring. But pretty much everybody else I know, like Adam and Matt, um, Steve, I the same, Alex Steve, and I know John Rawling was the same. They would watch the screen. So all of a sudden, whereas before 
you're watching the ring and the judges are watching the ring ring and people at home are watching the screen screen and you might get that disconnect where everybody at home thinks that the commentary teams and the judges have gone mad because they've not seen what they've seen then all of a sudden the commentators are watching what everybody at home is watching um and i thought that did make a little bit of a difference i, I thought you saw more of a correlation between what the commentators saw score wise and what everybody saw at home because you know you're watching the same thing and all of a sudden it was only the judges who were up at ringside and with something like Dubois Joyce I think that that was quite key because they were the only ones who were really close and they had this massive range of scores everyone at home was just convinced that Joyce had won uh, but it's, it's it's always worth trying new things but what generally happens in thing isn't it the WBC like tossed out a load of things a while ago. Do you remember when they kind of had like, I think Paulie and and a couple of other people on the panel and they said stuff like they were going to look at, you know, whether blood relatives should really be in the corner or whether dad should be training some. Yeah, they banned them for a while, did they not? Dad's in the corner, I think it was. Yeah, I don't think they ever did any of it though, did no. they? They came out with some half sensible suggestions, but I don't think anything ever happened. Yeah, I remember that one specifically, yeah. Uh, open scoring. Uh, they used to have the old. Uh, they still do open well. scoring. They still do open Some scoring. But outside yeah, of America, mostly yeah, in Thailand. That's it. You don't get it everywhere. In Saudi, we had it. Because I remember, um, can't remember which fight it was. It was one of the undercard ones I did. But but it was a WBC fight, and, and we had it there. And they do it in Italy, but they don't do it in the UK. Um, the you you know they British did it. In, they did it in Ireland, didn't they? I remember Macklin's fight against that. Jorge Highland. Oh, was it? I, that. That. I don't even remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I remember, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure they announced the cards during the... Um, after it was... It wasn't every round. It was every, like, three or four, wasn't it? Four, yeah, they do yeah. every four. They do after yeah, four, yeah. four and eight. It, yeah. That's, that's an interesting one. The Canelo fight. Canelo fight against Trout, remember? Yeah, remember that's right. Because yeah. like, people yeah. were, like, moaning because Canelo wasn't engaged in the kind of that. They did it with John Mark Mormeck against O'Neill Bell back in the day, and Mormeck was that far ahead. He just ran for the last four rounds, yeah. he completely killed the fight. Yeah, that that's the problem. I mean, again, like anything, there are arguments for and against, isn't it? It's like one 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 is that you know if you realise you're up, then it might change your tactics. Another is that if three four rounds, two judges have got it quite similar, and the other one's way out of kilter, then the one who's way out of kilter will think they're seeing it wrong, and it could get in their head and and all of that. I mean, it's I don't I don't I'm not sure I really see the value in open scoring myself. Okie doke, we'll leave it there. We've uh, put the boxing world to rights as best as we can this Sunday evening. Andy, absolute pleasure having you on. Any social media presence aside from the Twitter that you want to direct anybody to there? Um, I mean, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. You won't get much out of me on Instagram, but I am on it. It's uh, it's the same thing, Mr. Andy Clark. Uh, yeah, no thanks for having me on, lads. So I listen to this. I listen to this. Um, God help. So yeah, it's always it's always it's always oh, good no. to be asked. <laughs> thanks very much. Appreciate you having me on. Have a good one, Andy. Cheers, dude. Yeah, you too, boys. You too. All the best. All the best, mate. Andy Clark there. Good stuff having him on. Uh, the guests are flying thick and fast. John Ryder's jumped on the call. Ozzy, I'll hand over to you to hand uh, to handle the particulars for this one. Yeah, so we'll um, we'll pick up now, John. And I think it's an, an easy case of uh, arguably the biggest win of your career last night. How are you feeling after it? Oh, mate, I'm on I'm on cloud nine. Um... Uh, a great win for me. Um, I mean, I, I, obviously, I didn't know it was being scored at the time, and I felt like I was winning pretty comfortably. Um, I need to watch it back and go over it, but I always felt like I was in control in there and working to a game plan, and, and felt in control of the fight at all times. But um, 
listen, he, he's a, a classy operator. Um, probably past his best, but um, listen, yeah, it's still it's a fantastic win for my record, and um, feel like I've I've joined a good club of of beating Danny Jacobs. Did Danny Jacobs do anything you didn't expect throughout the fight? Uh, I, I'd say there's a few things he did. I was shocked that I, I, I thought he'd be a more of a physical size in there. I thought he'd, he'd rehydrate to a, a ridiculous weight, but he didn't seem to. Um, I think I think his speed's probably diminished a bit now over the years and probably the layoff. Um, I was a bit surprised at his power. I probably gave him too much respect for his power, thinking that he was going to turn it on later on in the fight. But... Um, yeah, I mean, certain shots, he throws awkward shots that are awkward to defend, but um, I probably could have engaged that bit more early on and, and, and gone for broke, but I was boxing to a game plan and um, it, it was felt like it was working, so we stuck to it. I was going to say that there's been a lot of talk, uh, naturally, about the scorecards and, you know, how people saw it. And, and you know, I, I thought, if anything, that you seemed a bit, a bit coy early on to let your hands go because, you know, from round seven onwards, I mean, round eight was probably your best round from where you hurt Danny Jacobs and, and hurt him big as well. Do, do you think you probably could have gone a little bit earlier and that probably owed to the fact that you gave him a bit too much respect, you know, from what he did, you know, in terms of power and what he'd done previously? Uh, yeah, potentially. No, knowing what we know now, obviously. But um, listen, I think someone like Danny Jacobs, these American fighters, they... They learn a different way to us. They they are always setting traps and always trying to set you up for for feints and always trying to. They're always thinking three or four moves down the line. And I feel that English fighters we, we don't seem to do that so much. So I was always second guessing what he was going to do in three or four moves time, um, which I mean massively overthinking it and not living so much in the moment. But yeah, I feel like I could have stepped on it early. Obviously, the game plan for me and Tony was to to tie him up early and, and work away and just, just try and tie him a bit and then stick it on him the second half of the fight, which I think we've done perfectly. But knowing mm. now that he wasn't as strong and as physical and, and as dominant as we thought he would be, that we, we could have stepped on the gas that bit earlier and, and made it a more dominant performance. I'm, I'm, I'm going to combine a couple of questions, like two into one. Uh, there's one from Michael Thompson from the chat, as in, did you find it easier to fight him when he turned southpaw? But also, what sort of sparring did you bring in for Danny Jacobs, knowing that he is a known switcher and does both quite well? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, when he when he, I, I was surprised. I thought he'd switch southpaw earlier doors. To be honest, I thought he'd he'd see that he'd have a lot more success. But I love fighting southpaws, and and when he did eventually turn southpaw, it was music to my ears, and I felt like it was a lot more easier to to land clean and. I was surprised that he stayed southpaw for so long. I felt like I was having a lot of success when he was in the southpaw stance and he probably took away his main threats when he when he did go southpaw. Did he seem slappier with his punches when he was southpaw? Like, he, he doesn't throw his left as straight as he throws his right when he's throwing orthodox. Yeah, I think when he's in the orthodox position, the um the right hand to the body and, and over the top is a real tool for him. But I feel when he's in the, uh, the southpaw position, it is more of a... Uh, a, a cupping slap shot, yeah. How did you, um, I mean, we always talk about it, John, don't we? I mean, you seem to get on a run, you know, from where you have that activity and then next thing it's a case of bang, it's, you know, you're waiting for the opportunity. 
do you feel like you were out the ring a bit too much? Uh, you know, a bit too much longer than you wanted to be going into a fight of this magnitude. Yeah, I think looking back, I mean, listen, it's been a stagnant two years for myself. A fight in December of 2020, then one in September of 2021. I mean, listen, it was great to get out so early this year, but you're thinking it's not so bad and not such a layoff, but it's still it's still quite a period of time. So I think it's important now for me to, to rest up, heal up for a couple of weeks and then get back banging on the door at the, the matchroom office and trying to find out what's next with Eddie and, and get something mm. penciled in because... um. I think I need to be active now. I'm 33 years young and um, I really need to kick on now. Yeah. Uh, again, a couple of questions combined into one. So we've got, uh, did you find Danny Jacobs's power, you know, more, you know, basically, did, did I guess, did it hurt more than Callum Smith's? And my question was, what was the harder fight? Was it the Callum Smith fight or was it the Danny Jacobs fight? Um, I feel like I got hit more in the Danny Jacobs fight. Um I think we was always throwing extra caution to Callum's catch counter. So we was trying to close the gap really quickly there to, to make sure we, we didn't come on the end of that. Um, but with Danny, I think, yeah, I was more, 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 it, it, I engaged more with him up close and was happy to take one to, to land two. And um, I, I expect his power to be a lot more, a lot more in his shots where he's, Kept the likes of Canelo and Glovkin at bay, but listen, he's 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 a good he's a good fighter. He's an old an old dog, and he knows his way around the ring. He um he slows the pace when he wants it, and I mean, it's hard to up it when he when he doesn't want to up it. He's 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 very good at dominating the pace. I, I agree with that, and I mean, you know, it, it's easy to say, you know, like oh, he wasn't his best and stuff, but he was still, you know, like clearly a very good fighter, but you, you've got that win now. And I know it was announced as an eliminator for uh, David Morell's WBA, you know, regular title. And I mean, we already know that you were already, you had that in, you know, that you had that title shot available and, uh, you know, it went, you know, by the by. But I think realistic for me, th that fight's probably not of interest. You know, it, it's not really a, the Danny Jacobs fight, you know, belt aside, you know, it doesn't need a belt on the line. That, that is a bigger fight than the Dave Morell fight. What do you want to see next? I mean, there's the Canelo fight, but I think, you know, he's lined up to fight Dimitri Bivol. So at 168, if you could pick the next fight, what would it be for you? Well, I mean, it's a tough one. And like I say, if the, if the boats are all tied up, then there's, there is other, still, still other good fights out there. I mean, you've got the likes of the former champions, the, um, the Benavides, the Plants, um, I mean, even like someone like Anthony the Rail, there's there's big fights that there's still to be made. But I mean, I think we've we've got to make these fights and and keep the the division active. Otherwise, we just hang around for one man to decide what he's going to do. And um, although he's a very good fighter and a, a very good ambassador for the sport, um, it's a shame for everyone to be to be stagnant because of him. And I mean, he's taking care of himself first and foremost. So. He's going to do what's good for the for his business, and if that's going up to one seven five and taking care then at business there, then hopefully he does let some of the belts go up at one sixty eight, so we can um we can all get active and get fighting for them. Is a Billy Joe Saunders rematch something that would interest you? But I, I, listen, I'm open to all to all rematches. Um, um, there's many fights in my career that I feel hard done by, and I'd love the chance to to go back over. Run them back and go over them again. So, um, 
listen, of course, I mean, I've, I've got no animosity towards Billy Joe. Um, I know that he's looking for a Eubank fight, but listen, in time, we'll we'll sit down with, with Eddie and Charlie and Tony and, and see what what and see what the best plan is. But, I mean, we are fully focused on a, on a route of the WBA um, and hopefully that can lead to a, a shot at the mm-hmm. WBA title. Before I hand over to uh, Danny Young, who's got a question for you on the panel, I've got one more. It was back at the Ali Pali last night, which isn't, uh, you know, a common boxing venue, but my God, the atmosphere looked, you know, unreal last night. What was it like for you in there? You know, it looked, it wasn't your typical boxing arena, was it? But, you know, I think with the, you know, the Johnny Fisher crowd as well, as well as your fans, it seemed, you know, it's it's a common phrase, electric, but it looked it looked a little different last night compared to, you know, the O2 or the Copper Box or the MEN. Scott Mulligan was losing his mind there last night. <laughs> yeah, he loved it, didn't he? He was going mental. Do you see him at ringside? Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely loved it, didn't he? Need him in the corner, John. <laughs> well, world's biggest hype man. <laughs> you yeah. hear that? No, man? you know what? It was a um, it was a great buzz there. I mean, um, it's got the the big arena feel to it. Obviously, it was only I think it was set out for seven thousand, but it was a great buzz there. And for me to be back in North London, um, not boxed in London since two thousand eighteen against Andre Sorokin at the Copper Box, so. It's been three years, three years at the ring in London, so um, it was nice to get back and put on, get my probably my career best win against a world-renowned fighter and probably a legend of the sport. But um, yeah, it's great. I mean, it helps with Johnny Fisher selling two and a half thousand tickets and and packing it out. But yeah, it felt like a, a great a great buzz in there, and I think it was just a good night. And all in all, Danny, I'll hand over to you now with your question. Cheers, Oz. Um, John, congratulations. Firstly, I was there last night cheering you on, mate. So uh, well done. Um, the I just wanted to ask you, like, it, from from where I was sat, um, which was fairly close to the ring, it, it looked like it was quite difficult to get up close and inside on Jacobs. Was it his was it his reach, or did he just make it difficult, or was that just a game plan early on? Because obviously, I noticed that obviously as the fight kind of went on a bit more, you you started doing that a lot more, and obviously that's where a lot of your your really good work came from. So was it was it was he just difficult to do to get close up? Because obviously against Smith, it seemed a lot easier. So was it was it just a case that he was, you know, a bit more wise to it? Uh, I think yeah, I think he's he's quite quite shrewd up close, but. Um... Our plan was to tie him up a bit in close, but he was um he was one doing majority of the tying up, so that was a bit frustrating. We was gonna tie him up and work away and, and just work to the body early doors, but he kind of um he kind of took that away from us, so it was a bit a, a bit harsh at the start, but it kind of worked in our favour. We we still got off the shots we wanted to get off and, and really got to stick the foot on the gas the second half of the fight and kick on. Did you did you feel like he was trying to hold on a lot a lot more towards the end of the fight to to, to start, kind of stop you from getting good shots away? I did, yeah. And I mean, it's hard. I mean, because looking back now, and I think I should have moved to the right more. But then he, when he was in a southpaw stance, his left hook's a very dangerous shot, and mm. I mean, he was he was winging it around a few times, and I was slipping back off it and turning the head and just just narrowly missing him. So, I mean, it was it was trying to eliminate majority of the risks but um it it was it was tough in there it was a, it was a real a real thinking fight um something i couldn't get too carried away and just had it honestly it was a just a mentally draining fight my my my, my mind feels better today 
Good man. Well, congratulations, Matt. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Yeah, just a quick reminder. We've got John Ryder on the call, you know, fresh off his win against Danny Jacobs last night. And just a couple more from me, John, uh, before we let you go. And we thank you for your time. Um, I think, you know, you know, I, I always say again, you know, just a few losses doesn't mean, you know, it's a career over. But also there's so many times from where, you know, a couple of losses and it's a case of, you know, people call on fighters to leave the trainer. And I think you're a prime example that you fact, yeah, I think you've you've been with Tony since pretty much since you turned over. And how I guess it's a case of how how happy are you that you've stayed with him, but also in the fact that it proves that a change doesn't always mean it's better in the fact that a case of little changes that going up a weight has done the world a good for you, but also that the relationship you've got has proved pivotal, pivotal throughout your career as well. Yeah, no, I think it's essential. I think me and Tony have got a great understanding now. We've, um, well, what's it been, seven years? Um, and I think it takes time to adapt and adjust to a new trainer. And I think... Um, Obviously, people are reading into the the step aside money for AJ to let Usyk and Fury fight, and I mean, we don't know the ins and outs of it fully. But I mean, if if that was the case, and I'd see it as a smart move for AJ to take money and step aside and let them two have boxed, because if AJ is in the process of getting a new trainer, then really you need as much time as possible to to gel and make a bond with that trainer and really just get a bit of fluency between the both both of you and get an understanding of each other and, and just really get to know one another and not be stepping into big massive fights with the likes of Usyk and that you've you've been beat on and going straight back into it. So listen, I think if if he could have got a, a bit of step aside and a, a, another six to eight months, then it would have been beneficial. But like I said, I don't know the ins and outs of that particular situation but I think yeah I think these these situations take time and I think that, that it's starting to show now that the belief I've had in Tony and more so the belief Tony's had in me is, is starting to pay dividends and Tony's one that's happy to bring in Dan Lawrence our SNC and help out with the nutrition and all the other sides of it so I think it's not just a it's not a one-man band um, there's many many fixtures in the fitting and um, I think it's working well and and a quick one, a uh, big fight next week, Amir Khan, Kel Brook. Uh, we were just talking then saying, you know, it, it's pretty much that while it's not the fight it was, I don't think anybody can call it, you know, straight down the middle. How do you see the fight going? Well, I think it's a, it's real, it's a real fight of two halves. Um, depends what both have got left. I mean, I know Khan, Khan was had blistering hand speed throughout his career. If he's still got that, then he's going to cause a lot of problems for Kel early doors. I mean, I, I feel Kel Brook is the best six-round fighter in the game. He, um, I think he's been six rounds up against most fighters he's fought and um, the wheels have just seem to fall off and he's he's either been knocked out concussively or he's been beat on points. But um, listen, I think if he's still got the hand speed, then it'll be an interesting fight for the first half. But if the hand speed's gone and he tries to brawl with with Kel early doors, I think he'll get beaten early and it'll be an early night. But I think I've got to favour Kel. I think he still he still carries a lot of power. Um, I don't think the rehydration clause would be too much of an issue. £15 quite a, a substantial amount to put on. So I think it should should be a great fight and a good win for Kel. 
John, uh, I think we all really appreciate your time on the the podcast. I mean, you've you've helped us out every time. You know, every fight that you've had, you know, big wins. You're straight on. So, congratulations on last night. You know, it was a massive, massive win, and fingers crossed you were uh, you get that big fight next. I think the closing statement would be is if you could pick a fighter next, who would it be for you? Well, listen, I mean, everyone wants a Canelo shot. I mean, that would be um that would be the the payday we all want. Um, but aside from that, I just want more big names: the Benavides, the Plants, the Durrells. Just fights that are going to put me in the right direction and um, get me a step closer to a world title. And uh, John, I just want to say I uh, I had money on a draw and Jacobs on points. So uh, thanks for that, man. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, no money for this guy because your performance last night. Oh, that's all right. Ozzy said he reimbursed you. Hey, thanks, no. Oz. Appreciate <laughs> that. I'll send you over the PayPal link. Yeah, I'm sure we can sort something out. But no, John, it's been a, a pleasure as always. And uh, we really appreciate appreciate you coming on and giving some time tonight, particularly fresh off, you know, a massive win last night as well. No, it's n- no problem. Thanks for having me on all the support you've always shown. And um, yeah, always, always give me that bit of promotion. So I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Top man. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good stuff, Oz. Good stuff, John. Good to have him on, as always. Matty, come on now. The draw, the Jacobs win. I only watched the highlights. He's so like Eddie the... Hearn. always hedging his bets. When... Fuck, well, the, so it was 18 to 1 on the draw. And I'll tell yeah. you what, man. At the, after Jacobs took that 12th round, I was thinking, because uh, I, took, I, I took Fisher on points with uh, Jacobs on points, which was really nice odds. And then I and then I had the draw, just a little side thing with just you know fiver on that. And I thought after Jacobs took the twelfth, I thought he clearly took the twelfth. I thought I got to get one or the other. I've got to get one or the other. And I, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, Matty? I was waiting for you to to, to mention parlay. Just, just, <laughs> what just are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna up, do right? about it? <laughs> We we should do boxing asylum uh, bingo one of these days. <laughs> but uh, if everyone download a card and uh, over the podcast, we'll uh, maybe you know do a gift or something like that. That could be fun. Right, Matty, come on, give us the lowdown then on the main event. Look, I, I thought it was I I thought it was a good fight. I I thought Jacobs really won the first six rounds, and I thought he won the twelfth, and he might have had a case for maybe it was the ninth in there. So I I thought that he won the fight. Um, it is, um, when uh, I was with, uh, with Ryder, I wouldn't, when he, when Jacobs went Southpaw, it just went South for him. And, uh, and the reason he won that 12th round is because he went back to right-handed and he started be throwing that straight right hand instead of that looping left as his backhand punch. Um, but you know, um, he, he was a guy on the tail end who doesn't want it as much, I don't think. And, uh, and we, we all knew that 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 uh, complacency was going to catch up to him on the cards one day or another here it is and uh, you know john just seems to want it more and uh, give a guy a chance danny you were there live in person in technicolor what about the undercard bit of felix cash bit of johnny fisher what stood out for you and what didn't hit the mark uh so uh first kind of real fight that i sat and took notice of was hopey price um actually quite impressed by him. His, his body shots look good. I know he's obviously young coming up and, you know, that's his, what was his sixth fight or something like that, seventh fight or something. But yeah, he, I, I, he looked, he looked pretty good. Um, 
Austin Williams, I thought he looked pretty good as well. Um, again, you know, he was way too strong for the other for the other fella, but you know, he he um, but yeah, it'd be be good, be interesting to see what comes out of him over the course of maybe the next like you know six fights. Um, I thought Ellie Scottney had a bit of a bit of a bad day, to be honest with you. Um, uh, well. A Juanini for a good for a start ad hair, so that was that was interesting. Um, she just came out winging like she did against it was Ball, wasn't it? That she fought, I think it was, or was it? She Danny as well. She beat Rachel Ball, I thought, and I thought yeah. she beat Ellie Scottney last night as well. Yeah, so I so did I to be honest, yeah, from from where I was sat. I mean, she, yes, she came out winging. I said to my mate, I said, Watch this girl, she just come out winging shots all over the place and she did and she called Scotney trouble I thought and, and I thought um, the scorecards were quite bad there um, I, I obviously I wasn't over Twitter during the during the time but I saw a lot of like lost well after the event I saw a lot of people saying awful scorecards were so were they around that fight or was it something else on on the on the cards that night because it wasn't as it was it was earlier than the John Ryder fight anyway so I wonder whether people were up in arms about that one as well, but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I thought Scotty trouble. She that took a bad cut as well by looks of things. So um, yeah, uh, be interesting to see where where she goes next. Um, Johnny Fisher. I mean, God, I was just surrounded by Fisher fans. It was mental the amount of people that were in there last night wearing uh, the Romford Ball t-shirts. Um, Danny, sorry, just shout out to whoever it was in the boxing nutters messenger forum who came up with David Price and Fisher Fisher Price. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good one. That's got to happen now, isn't it? It's just got to happen. Um, Fisher, um, again, he's, he's early doors and showing some promise. I think he moves quite well for a big for a big lad. Um, and obviously, that guy he fought last night was probably tougher than his record suggested. I, I've, I just, well, I was hearing rumours and people talking around that, like, you know, Fisher was going to KO him, but I thought he stood his ground and. And actually, you know, took centre of the ring a lot of times, and and you know, kind of forced, you know, forcing the fight quite a lot. So fair play, and again, Fisher took a bad cut in that as well. I know it was a clash of heads, but still, you know, it's one of those things when you're when you're starting out early, and and you've got to learn to deal with cuts like that, whether they come from headbutts or punches. You know, it's um it's one of those learning things. So yeah, he did pretty well, and you could get points when it was going to happen, wasn't it? All day, so. Um, Cash, I'm disappointed with Cash, to be honest with you. Um, I actually thought the Russian had won that one. Um, I Again, I was surprised about the Russian because he, well, he had barely had a knockout to his name. But yet, his punches sounded quite solid from where I was sitting. Um, Cash just didn't look his usual self. He's, his guard wasn't there. He he was, I don't know, he was just... He just looked a bit laboured at times, and maybe he just found it difficult to 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 connect onto the Russian. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It just didn't look like the Felix Felix Cash that I've seen before. Um, obviously, I'm I'm delighted he got the win. He's a you know he's from Wokenham. That's where I'm from. Um, but yeah, I I actually thought he lost that from where I was. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes from there because I, I I'm assuming he's going to need to to he's going to want to fight someone a step down from that before he goes. To, a step up again but yeah in, in all it wasn't it wasn't the greatest undercard obviously I know we, we were shit on it or some some of us were shitting on it last week look I wasn't there for the undercard I was there to support John and and, and obviously he did the business whether it was right or wrong or not um, but yeah I mean in all you know it's just, it was just good to get out it was my first fight in two years can't ask for any more than that you know had a bit of fun 
and watch John pick up a win. So great. Good stuff, Danny. Uh, glad you enjoyed it. Uh, Andy, changing tack with you slightly on the Friday night. Uh, obviously, Danny Dignam got the win over Grant Dennis. Not worried too much about that one. Lee McGregor against Diego Alberto Ruiz. Uh, I saw him fight Michael Conlon. Didn't think he was up to much. 95-95 a draw. I didn't see it, so I'm relying on your greater judgment here. Not that I want to make too many excuses, but McGregor didn't look great in his last fight either. Got dropped, came back, got the win. Is he really, really boiling down to the weight? Well, this is the thing, mate. I mean, the fight was actually at 122. You know, it was over over the weight fight. You know, tune up, keep busy, whatever mm. you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I agree. There's there's just something something's been off, and I'm not one to like cast doubts or whatever than that. But you know, he's been pretty much off since his tune up with Ben Davison. Um, he went to Ben Davison just I think it was just before the Gowfrey fight. I think it was. Um, but you know. Talking about the weight situation, that he was even before the Cash Farouk fight, he was struggling with the weight in that fight. Um, a fight I thought he lost uh, from a ringside advantage, and um, he even say he'd stated after the fight that, that he was struggling with the weight. He was going to bring somebody else in to help him make it. Um, the last few fights hasn't been looking good. He's dropped in his last fight, and that as well, I believe. Um, I think what it was, the opponent was slightly cagey. He's he was kind of like more kind of forced to kind of press the action, work the body. But you know, the the guy he was fighting was he was happy to kind of like you know firing his own shots and that, wanting to kind of work off the back foot. Um, so yeah, it was it was one of those ones where I thought that McGregor was really struggling to put a dent or really hurt him to a point where he's he's, he's in the pocket constantly, really ripping the shots off. Kind of getting tagged with stupid shots himself. And I just thought maybe just take a step back, just you know. You probably know know yourself that it's just not going to be your night to have a, a, a spectacular knockout, spectacular performance. So just just get the job done, basically. But um, it didn't it didn't look good? It just didn't look good. Um, certainly, I've like to see him you know, just adapt his boxing a bit more, uh, and ra- rather just kind of like try and press it all the time and work. With, you know, just constantly try to rip it. Sometimes you just you aren't going to get away with that. You just need to kind of like work at home and just you know just you just know it's going to be a hard night's work. But um, certainly that was a bit of a shocker, actually, to be honest with you. Um, people auto- automatically were complaining says, uh, about the weight, which was quite weird because it says it is a couple of pounds up. Um, maybe, maybe it could be the trainer situation or maybe he's just reached his ceiling, which is weird to say because, you know, British, Commonwealth, European champion. But to be honest, you know, if you put him in by, off that performance here last night, or sorry, on Friday night, sorry, I would not favour him against NUA whatsoever. Um, even Denier uh, and Casemiro as well, who is a noted banger. If, he, if he's wanting action, then Casemiro would give it to him. I wouldn't have fancied him against any of those guys there on Friday night, actually. That's how poor he was. So definitely back to the drawing board for me. I know that wasn't the only fight you watched, Andy. Just before we go into Kalenga, quick shout out before I forget to the Super Chatters who threw in during the John Ryder and Andy Clark uh, talk. Ryan Petit threw in a fiver and Michael Thompson threw in three quid as well. So very much appreciated to your Super Chats. Over to Latvia then, Andy, of all places. Noel Gavor, a fighter who seems to be around for a long time now against another guy who's been around for a long time. I've seen him fight live in the past, actually, Yuri Kalenga, quite the character. He's got a uh, loss number six or seven on his record now. He's racking up those losses. How did that fight go, Gavor, against Kalenga? Yeah, it was pretty... I was actually had it on side by side. I think it was on the time of the Felix Cash fight, so I was kind of like flipping back and forward, so it isn't a full kind of rundown it, but it was quite laborious, quite ponderous, uh, but Gavor... For what I seen of it was pretty clear, and they won it wide on points. Not Kalinga just meandered, very very slow. No really got the punching, you know, just couldn't get the punches off really. 
you say I, I knew I'd, I'd heard um, Gavor before, but he'd actually been he'd actually was announced under his Russian name. Was it was it my or Armenian name? Was it Mikalian or like his name was? So I, I yeah, didn't know who it was actually until I actually checked the fight on Boxrec earlier on there. So I'd actually forgot that actually been the distance with Bedis and Diablo and that as well. So you know, good opponent keeps himself up there. I think he's top top three, top two. I think with one of the one of the ranking and bodies and that. But Kalenga has run his race now. But uh, in my opinion, he's been. How long has he been on the go now for the uh, best part of 10 years at least? Um, Fight with Dortico, I remember, was the first yeah. time I became aware of him. Was that no part of the tournament or was it just before the tournament? Oh, I think that was just it... before the tournament. I think he ended up like Monaco or somewhere Aye, like that. It was a great fight. It was a great fight and he got knocked yeah. out later, if I can recall. Uh, then he beats off like uh, Lorena and Masternak and that. All these guys who are kind of like up and coming or are kind of like steady war horses in the division of that. But for me at this point, Kalinga's now done at title level. Bye-bye, Kalinga. Clouds Gaming isn't done at title level. He's thrown a fiver in. Have a fiver on me, lads. Great content as always. Go over and uh, check out Clouds Gaming, whatever he's doing over there. I'm sure it's great fun. Thank you for your fiver indeed. Uh, Matty, let's hit you with this one hard between the eyes on the zone next Saturday evening in uh, Baja, California, Tijuana, El Mexico. Uh, Jaime Mungia, 38-0, WBO organisa- World Boxing Organisation, Intercontinental Middleweight title on the line. He takes on 21-0-1, Demetrius Ballard. They keep on linking his name with Canelo and Golovkin and all these other fighters to keep him relevant. It Realistically, Golden Boy are going to take it slow. He's still learning, still developing Mungia. There's Ballard. Last time he stepped up to any meaningful level was against Yamaguchi Falcao, and he ended up with a draw. Do we expect Mungia to do this? Is he going to do it inside the distance, Matty? I think that Mungia is going to finally get there. I, I think that he is a level above Ballard, uh, and and I think that he is he's he's just more comfortable at 160 than he was at 154. Um, Gabe Rosado is a tough nut to crack, man. Um, he, not very many people have stopped him, and those uh, that have, it's usually been on cuts, right? So um, he, uh, I, I think he's going to get it done. Uh, this go around. I'm hoping they throw some good fights on that undercard as well. Um, Tijuana sure looks like a fun place. Um, and, and they seem to embrace boxing at all levels. Uh, you know, uh, Christopher Lovejoy has been able to get a, his foot in the door down there. So the people of Tijuana obviously love boxing, no matter how good you are at it. They just want to know that you love the sport. And uh, Munguia is going to go in there. He's going to wing some punches. And I think he'll get a stoppage in the last half of the fight. Mungia stoppage is the prediction from Mate. Let's get on to the big stuff then. Hoping not to hang around for too much longer tonight. Due to personal circumstances, Ozzy, what about this undercard then, Amir Khan against Kelbrook? I'm having a look through it, and you know what? Could be a bit of a hang yourself job, this. Vidal Riley's on it. Bradley Ray against Craig McCarthy. Charlie Schofield against Jermaine Brown. Jermaine Brown's not a good, uh, not a bad fighter. Uh, Natasha Jonas is going in against Chris Namus. Is that a man? Is that a woman? Who knows? This is what's propping up the main event, Ozzy. Is it worth staying up for? No, not really. I mean, if you're going to bed that early, I mean, I do question what people are doing. But um, but no, the card is poor, but I say I can kind of get it. When it's on pay-per-view, there's clearly a lot of dough in the main event already. Uh, and they're relying on, you know, buys, etc. you know, to make the money back. Uh, that saying, you know, that Tasha Jonas is fighting for a vacant world title against, I mean, God knows, it's a late replacement anyway. I'm pretty sure it's she's fighting um, 
I don't know who it is. It's some like Uruguayan. I don't. I'm not 100 sure, but I would suspect that the fact that Tasha Jonas is going up to 154 means they're putting her in basically to win a title. Uh, Charlie Schofield, Jermaine Brown's a good fight. Um, this is, you know, what Andy Clark was saying before about a, uh, you know, um, you know, English title fights. You know, usually they produce the goods, and this is a really good fight. I actually think Jermaine Brown will win this fight. Um, I think there's some value there. I've watched Charlie Schofield before. He's okay. Can't really punch, which is always going to be a problem at this level. Um, got beat off Mickey Ellison, I think, off on a, a Steve Wood or a, it was either a Steve Wood or a Hennessy card. It was quite local, though, a fairly small hole. But I think Jermaine Brown will get the win there, despite being in the away corner. Uh, Brad Ray, Craig McCarthy... Uh, I'm not going to buy into the eight and zero, you know, record. Uh, he drew with. You, you might know a bit more, a little bit more about Craig McCarthy. Steve is from Ireland. You know, he he's he drew for the BUI uh, Celtic middleweight title against Chris Blaney back in oh, 2019. Yeah. Chris, Chris Blaney, the Ginger Ninja, used to uh, train under Ricky Hatton, actually. The Ginger Ninja. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. fucking awesome. So, but I mean. I mean, McCarthy's record's pretty padded, to be honest. You know, there's, I mean, he's beat one, two, three, four fighters that haven't won a fight at all. So, says it all, really. So, I think Brad Ray will, will probably knock and, you know, cause a lot of problems to Craig McCarthy and probably bang him out big time. Um, Videl Riley, I, I don't really know who this guy is. I think he's a bit of like this. Um, I don't know if he's like, you know, is he a YouTuber or something like that? I think so. But I, Ames, I think, said before he might have had some kind of amateur pedigree. So I don't think he's a complete oh, Right. But he's fighting Will before Shepo. And I only know him because Callum Johnson banged him out for a Commonwealth title. After Abraham fought him as well. After Abraham fought him as well. Aye, for a world title. Who fought him? After Abraham. After this Abraham, that's right. He's from the canteen. Yep, that's where we're right. Right. The nickname was it the 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 spider? I think God, it was. Or did. The... Yeah, you're right. Bloody hell! God, that was a long time ago. That was somebody talking else about in what... Britain, didn't they? Wasn't it? Wasn't John? It was you Boyd, it was you it beat him or Fielding oh, or somebody no, beat him? No, it was, it, was Callum, it was Callum Johnson. Callum Johnson, right? Okay. Yeah, Callum Johnson, him out. His nickname was the Black Mamba. So be aware. Right. <laughs> well. He's 39, he's Namibian, Vidal Riley's going to knock him out anyway. He's he's going to well and truly beat the Black Mamba. So um, I know that's what he's going to be doing. Black Mamba, actually, Aussie. Black Mambas aren't actually black, they're silver. It's the tongue that's black that they give them the name. Interesting. Well, I mean, yeah. look, we, we, might, we might be able to get Will before us on the, uh, you know, the podcast next week and ask <laughs> why he is called the Black Mamba, potentially. Uh, but no, the rest of the card, you know, is padded out with, um, you know, young prospects. Fraser Clark's on there, which quite disappointing, actually. You know, they've not got an opponent name for him. And I do put Fraser Clark in the bracket of Joe Joyce, you know, when he turned over. You know, Clark, look, he's what? God, he must be pushing 30. He's not got time, you know, to be dicking around against shit opponents. And... Joe Joyce, when he turned over for and Ian Lewison, I'm disappointed Clark's not even got an opponent name, so God knows what fat idiot they're going to pull into the ring for Clark to bang out pretty comfortably. But but overall, the, the undercard is poor. It, it, it's really poor. Um, it's a pay-per-view card, you know. Uh, Andy Clark was saying, you know, about we don't see enough of area title fights and English title fights. I would rather see an undercard, which is cheap, 
but you know you see competitive you know area and english level and british eliminator fights but they're going to produce the goods rather than some of the shit that's been put on this undercard now talking but it is cheap, all about the talking about cheap mate um that that cruiserweight title fight for last week Cody Machunu against Makabu it was 200, wasn't it? It did uh, Macabu not get 150 and Machuno got 50. Right, well, 200. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, well, 250. So there you go. So there you go. Machuno practically fought for free there last week. And yeah, still. yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, look, I have no sympathy for these morons who even signed with Don King. I mean, you know, crazy. 50, $50,000. You know, less taxes. Uh, you know, your your camp and stuff like that. God, he's probably walking away with about fifteen k tops at best. Crazy, but but no. And back, it all back on the, black. Yeah, exactly. That's what you know. You may as well go and punt on it. You know, go and do a coin flip. You might double your purse, or you might walk away with nothing. And after Don King's got old here, it's more likely nothing. But no, back back to the main event anyway. For um, for the weekend coming up, you know, it, the, the show isn't great, but it's all about the main event. And we've spoken about it already. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to call in my opinion, because I don't think we know what either fighter has got left, but they've taken it seriously. You know, it's not one of these, you know, silly, you know, over the, it is an over the hill fight in terms of, you know, it's the past, the best, but it's not like, you know, a, you know, a 42 against a 40 year old. Um, I've, I've toyed with it. I initially picked Kelbrook, but I flipped, and I think I'm going to go with Amir Khan. I think Khan will beat Brook on points. Quite tight, but maybe about three rounds. But it's uh, it's a fight that, you know, while it's not the best, I'll still be tuning in and watching, albeit I won't be paying for it. Hey, Dave, from Aussie. What about you then, Matty? I'm going for Khan on points as well. Team Khan, never given us a bad fight. Well, I'm sure he probably has done. But right back to the ITV days, Amir has been there. I saw him fight once in person, actually, although it was uh, against uh, Lajlo Komjathi back on the uh, Kings Hall undercard back in the day. So I haven't seen any of the big ones. But Amir, always done it for me, whether on the screen, on Skype, whatever. He's always delivering the goods, Matty. Who are you going for on Saturday night? Hey, you know, and he, he's been given Donnie Wood for uh, nearly two decades at this point in time. So uh, you get your money's worth out of Amir Khan, don't you? Um, he, he's an entertaining fighter. And I guess if this was a 12-round fight, not a 10-round fight, I think it might be a little more interesting if it goes to the cards. If it goes definitely to the, 10, then. It's definitely 10. That's what I saw it on ESP on the ESPN schedule. Uh, so, I struggle and to I, believe that still. Not saying you're not telling the truth, Matthew. But it's, I, I, it's saying 12 on box rec, by the way. Is nice. it? Yeah. Maybe it's going to be 11, so there won't be less of a chance of a draw. We'll just average that shit out, right? It must be a 12, you would imagine, Matty. It must be. I, I, I think that if over 12, if it goes 12, I think it's more interesting if it goes to the cards. Um, I, it, I, I think it definitely favors uh, Khan if it goes to the cards. Uh, but if there's a stoppage, it's definitely going to be Brooke. Uh, what I think what's interesting in this fight is the fact that Khan it doesn't rely on his timing. Khan relies on his speed. Um, and he, he always has those attributes to kind of carry him through. Uh, whereas Kel Brook uh, is, is definitely more of a timing fighter. And he has been out of the ring for half as many months 
as Amir Khan. So I think we have to wait that a little bit. And I don't think his, he's going to be as off as people think. Uh, I, I, I think the story of this fight, if Brooke is successful, is going to be if he can start to land his counter jab because he's got a great counter jab. And if he can get Amir Khan to keep his left hand in his pocket, at that point, the fight's going to be Cal Brooks. Um, so I, um, you know, honestly, I, I, I think I'm going to have to, I've been up and down on this fight for a while thinking about it. You got guys with, you know, a total of eight losses uh, between them and uh, seven of those are stoppages. So, you know what, you, I think you got to favor the stoppage. And I just, uh, I like Kel Brook because he's just a little bit more active, a little bit harder puncher. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going Kel Brook by stoppage. Kel Brook by stoppage. I had a good question lined up and I've bloody forgotten it now. So I'm going to have to just uh, bring you in, Danny, with the old boring one, Carl, uh, Khan versus Brook. Who you got? Are you watching it on Sky? Are you going? Are you looking forward to it? I think it's going to be a decent fight, actually. Yeah, I think that just, just card's rubbish, but the, the main event's pretty good. Like I say, it's 50 50. Uh, God. Um, if I'm going to go off the Amir Khan that fought Samuel Vargas, then I, I worry about him. Um, and I, I don't think he's changed much since then either, and, and potentially has got even worse with with the time out of out of the ring he's had. Um, I'm, I'm, I imagine Kelbrook on this one. No real basis to it. I just think that well, I've got my concerns about him being on it and on the weight, but I don't know. I if I'm gonna go down to my own personal thoughts, and I think that Kelbrook maybe has got a slightly better chin than Amir Khan. Um, so I'm going to go with Kelbrook on this one, but I'm looking forward to it. Got got lads in the bar coming round for it, so it should be a good night. Should be a good night. I think we're two for two. Then Andy, the decision is going to be yours on this one. I imagine it would be a twelve. I know they're both faded. I know they're both done to a certain degree, but that makes it that little bit more fun. You know, they're going to a little bit less pace, a little bit less off the chin. The power might not be there so much. We could have an absolute shit fest. I think there's going to be knockdowns on there. Could be amazing if you get a double knockout, eh? Be absolutely <laughs> tremendous, man. First round double knockout, and everybody's like, ah, "I want my money back." <clears throat> yeah, to be honest, actually, I was um, I was pretty convinced uh, Kelbrook by knockout until you know Andy Clark was on the call there, and Ozzy was mentioning about the rehydration clause because it went completely uh, out my head actually. And obviously, Brooks been at well, he's been a clear welterweight now, isn't he? So. What is he, 35? It's not going to be easy. Um, so hopefully he makes it safely and um, he maintains it and doesn't take too much of it himself. Because it's one thing I hate, actually. I, I, I remember back to Miguel Cotto against uh, Daniel... Was it Daniel Gill? I think it was Daniel Gill. He, he drained the fucking life out of Daniel Gill. Daniel Gill, for fuck's sake, can't he punch an egg? right? But Cotto drags him down in weight and he looks shit and he gets stopped. So I didn't want anything. We didn't want anything like that. Brute looking absolutely dreadful on the scales and then phoning it in um, you know people were talking about Liam Williams there last week and that apparently dumping him was at 14 pounds I think it was the week of the fight or three or four days before the fight um, then he did like that so but I'm going to say Can uh, comes out blistering he's going to be on point I'll say he wins the first six rounds like he did against Canelo jab move just, just, just keep it simple just keep the boxing if he's still got the speed, if he's still got the legs, not, I can see him possibly winning it on points. But, and this is the big thing we can, it always, there's a moment in the fight he switches off. There's always a fight that he switches uh-huh. off. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he gets dropped. Or how he gets bad is it? And exactly, mate. It's, it's how bad does he get hurt? How bad does he get dropped? And can he get up for it? 
this is this is what I'm thinking about. Now, if Kel can find that shot, for example, then so be it. But I still think Can, who's always been susceptible to have moments or, or lapses in fights, concentration lapses, and he gets caught over the top. He, 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 like, for example, I think he was swinging a left hook at Canelo at the time that right hand came over. He was throwing a, a right uppercut, a lead right uppercut, the mid-distance against Danny Garcia, where he could him with a left hook to the throat and got knocked out off that just about. So... These, these, these wee things, basically. So if he keeps it simple, jab, right hand, move. Fight like he did against Katelnik, he will be golden, he will win the fight, he, he'll piss it out of the park. But, as I say, it's just that but, he can get caught by a shot. And again, if he can hold it, fine. If he can't, I think Brook will get to him. So I'm going to say Brook, possibly by late stoppage, I'm going to go around about the ninth or 10th round mark. Yeah! Uh, but... I wouldn't be surprised to see Cam win it on points, but I, again, as I say, I just think he's got this issue of switching off on fights. It might just switch his lights out. Lights are going out. I'm looking forward to it. I am indeed. Ricky Graville's looking forward to it as well. He's throwing 449 in the super chat. Did you cut that bean clip, Stephen? Absolutely, Richard. Absolutely, I did. It's coming in Bellew the Week very Ooh. shortly. I just threw it out there. Post-fight pod, lads. What we say, saying? What do you think, Andy? You're the master of this. How many likes should we ask for to do a post-fight pod? Because we, you know what uh, I mean. We can take it or leave it. Well, we've got 25 minutes, but I know you need to be in your bed within uh, 25, 26 <laughs> minutes. Sorry. So uh, yeah. Yeah, so but afterwards, the boys are going to be listening to this afterwards during the week. So there's no excuse for them not putting it on the YouTube. The, the yeah, I suppose. Up. I suppose. Well, only if I get three minutes for the showtime card. Yes, I you will. Don't, don't worry. Okay. Five hundred. 500, 500. 500 <laughs> likes. Well, I, 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 won't be, I won't be on next week. I'm out on the gas next Saturday, so uh, <laughs> I will not be on on the uh, post-fight pod, but I will be on on the Sunday. If we get if we get 200, by what time on Friday, Andy? If we get, if we get, I'll tell you what, if we get 150, we'll get Amir Khan on Skype, and then we'll do it. <laughs> by the way... Keep an eye Jesus out next week fuck. for the thumbnail. I've got it cut already. It's going to be you're going to enjoy the thumbnail you, next oh, week. Yes. Do you know one? Do you know one thing I'm disappointed with? Actually, wow. there's no women on the undercard. Oh, yeah, there is actually. There is. Tasha Jonas is on the undercard, which might we we might see more bean footage next weekend. Actually, oh, which it, yes, it, you know, it, be, you bean, it, Bean's eyes are going to be lighting up seeing Tasha Jonas in her little fucking knickers on that uh, yeah, scale. Bean will be loving it. Did you see them slipping move there, mate? That was like playing Mike Tyson trying to get between the fucking Andy, bodies. Don't worry, it's coming, it's coming. I said, I said it last week. I said it last week. You know, being it was a bean weekend. He had his foot fetish with the slippers. He was perving on the girls on the fucking scales. It was a bean weekend. They're world treasures. <laughs> right. So, what what number are we going for then, Andy? One fifty. One fifty. By five by the close of day by five PM Friday, yeah. By by Thursday, so I can go and get a bottle of biscuit if I can kill the pain. <laughs> hey. Five PM Thursday, <laughs> one hundred and fifty thumbs go. up. What a deal! No thumbs down. Come on, you tight bastards. Yeah, right. every thumbs down to... goes against the one. The thumbs <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> Do you ever notice the morning cunts in the chat never put any any um, super chats in? It's only Ricky Gravel was putting in the super chats these days. Ah, it's always the likes of Ricky and Ryan and Michael no, and Dez. Ricky's dealer about Declan. Rage him, by the way. Where's Declan tonight? Declan Graff and I. <laughs> De- Declan. Ricky, Ricky G deserves the uh, the credit for the super chats. What I won't give him credit for is some of the vile videos that he has posted on his Twitter oh, recently. That, I can that... t- I can watch, you know, I can watch pretty much anything. 
but some of the stuff he has put up is on another level. My that, God, that, that one if was you were, so if you, disgraceful. Oh, if you, I mean, if you if you do want to, uh, if any listeners do want to tune into uh, Ricky Gravel's videos, you can follow him at Ricky G R five three seven two six five two six. Yeah, be quick, yeah, because he probably yeah, be yeah, by the end of tonight. Yeah, but he's got burners on, mate. So if you go to Ricky Gravel at yeah. Or if you just search, uh, I mean, he's just retweeted a picture of uh, topless, topless British soap stars, Daniela Westbrook. So, uh, yeah, and uh, Natalie Emmanuel as well. So, yeah, it's all happening on Ricky Gravel's Twitter account tonight. I, I, I thought you said it was bad things. I was sitting here thinking, like, <laughs> like it takes two hands for me to count the number of times that I've seen a Serbian film, so I can tolerate a lot oh, of shit. Nah, that. you ain't seen nothing yet, man. Mate, you, oh. you watched oh, that. Matt, You're a fucking filthy bastard you watched that film, mate. I'm just watching a video now, and it looks like he's either got some sort of, like, bear or panda or something eating a bloke, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's all happening on Ricky G's Twitter tonight. <laughs> I guess they see, see the thing is Ricky's Twitter accounts they get cancelled, right? And then he, he, he follows me, so I'm like, well, I fucking follow him back because it will last the fucking day. And then you fucking notice you've got like Ricky Gravel follows you, and like, five years later you've got another Ricky Gravel, and another Ricky Gravel's following you. Like, what the Andy, fuck? Andy, at least he can remake burner accounts. Jade yeah. can't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 uh, shout out to Chris Burns throws it, uh, thrown in a 179 Jacob came again, Jade didn't thank you very much Chris, pressure's on you Joe Burns if you're out there, there's a 179 coming from Chris Burns, come on see if you can up him with a 189 perhaps, right Matty this Showtime card, I, I think I went through it on the schedule but I neglected to mention it, Jorge Linares by the way is fighting Zor Abdullayev out in Russia next week we're not going to talk about that, you're going to talk about a completely different card, the floor is yours Yes, but that could be a candidate for knockout of the year. You never know with Linares, right? Awesome. So on, on Showtime on Friday, so you guys wake up on Saturday morning, you'll be, have a chance to watch this. You're going to have uh, a good card. Uh, you got a, a lightweight fight between Jermaine Ortiz and Nahir Albright. Albright lost his pro debut. He has not lost since then, uh, constantly increasing his opposition. His last two opponents combined 30 and 2. Uh, Ortiz has dropped a couple times his last fight. Um, I'm thinking that Albright might come in as an underdog on this one, so keep your eye on that. 168 pound fight between Joseph George, 11 and 0, against Sean Hemphill, 14 and 0. Uh, that could be an interesting one. And then you have Paul Kroll against Marky Taylor. Paul Kroll, 9 and 0. Marky Taylor, 12, 1 and 1, with only one stoppage. Both of them share an opponent with Luke Santa Maria, with Paul Crow, uh, Paul Crow winning a wide uh, decision over him in 2020, and uh, Marquise Taylor getting a draw with Santa Maria. Um, and uh, but uh, Taylor has had a good level of opposition, so that it's a good Showtime fight per usual. Showbox delivering with uh, good fights between uh, prospects looking to take their next step up. So uh, when you guys wake up on Saturday morning, uh, go ahead and uh, catch your recording of that one. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, only sixty-two likes at the minute. Says Matthew Russell. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> Ricky Graville had. What was it, Andy? <laughs> there was aye. So there's, 
There's a video. Is this the video you're talking about here? Yeah. The guy shagging the dead spawn. What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. And he, he actually raw dogged it as well, man. What the fuck? So I don't want to see that. Like, I know everything in, like, you know, bad movies is fake. You gotta, like, watch fake faces of death and shit. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. This is why I always think, whenever people say, oh, I listen to the show, and then I always think of moments like this, and I think, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Andy Clark. Sorry, mate. I mean, this is this is shit we get to at this point in life. You know, Duke McKenzie, like, can I listen in, lads? And I'm like, oh god, no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm letting Duke down. You, you never hear about him. <laughs> Jesus, mother god. Don't call us. We'll call you. Anyway, right. Let's get on to the value of the week for episode four six one. Feels like we're there already. Andy's here. So is Matty. So is Danny. So is Ozzy, we've had John Ryder, we've had Andy Clark on with us as well. We've had a laugh so far, let it continue with Bell You of the Week. We had a message uh, straight afterwards on Monday. I can't remember who cut this, but thank you anyway. Someone was inquiring about Bell You of the Week. They were close to winning and they were wondering, this is slander, didn't even know about <laughs> Bell You of the Week. Come on, Audley, you should know better than that. Oh, Bell You of the Week. What, what was that? Wait, you know, somebody said you, you just, you narrowly just missed out. On Bellu of the week, mate, was close. You and you and Bean. What Bean? Tell me more. What does that mean? I'm I'm clueless what you're talking about, buddy. What does that mean? Give me share some insights with me. Bellu of the week. Hello, hello. I just got to let you know. Oh my god, how does he let poor Oddly know he basically got nominated for Asshole of the Week and narrowly lost? Between him and Bean. Bean. Oh, oh man, good old Audley. Great stuff. Talking to Bean, Ricky Graville, a recent super chatter of a Dead Swan fame, sent this one through me during the week. Bean getting stuck in on some weighing action. Well, he'd be rude not to from all Bean. <laughs> <laughs> I got playing Mike Tyson there, wasn't he? With the head movement. <laughs> hey, I, I, man, you, in some of those situations, you got to feel for those guys. Like the the classic picture of Joe Rogan and Misha Tate. Have you seen the ass on Misha Tate? Like that takes a lot of restraint to look away. You're not blaming Bean then, Matty. It, yeah, it's difficult, I, isn't it? He's a rigid No, no, actually, I'll blame him on making it so blatant that he is taking a look. <laughs> like, that's what looks bad. Like, Rogan was, like, doing everything in his power not to look, whereas Bean was doing everything in his power to look. So that's why it's bad. Like, he's, he's he, you, you don't do it like that. That it makes you look like scuzz. But, of course, we want to look, but you don't, like, you know, like, like, Dude, get the fuck out of my way. I'm trying to look at her ass. You know, that's uh, a bad look on him on that one. It's, it's all about the how. As Michael Thompson says, peak bean, Andy. Peak bean. Peak bean, mate, I. Um, just picked up the bottle of ketchup with him as well. Actually, gave that a wee shaking off, you know. Shout out to Danny Young on the pod. Getting the old credit card out, phone in a fiver, class guest tonight, and a fiver from me to nominate myself for Bellew of the Week after my £98 taxi home from Paddington to Reading... What? Come on, Danny. Unmute yourself. It's Fuck time shit. to reveal it. You're with friends here. Is that a new Un- Unburden this. So, basically, like, I haven't been into London for, for quite some time because of the COVID and all that. But when, normally... I either, but it. I know. 
but normally like trains out of Paddington are like well well past one o'clock so I thought I won't be a problem I'll get out it'll be a doddle fucking hell was it a doddle so like got as far as Paddington and I was like we are fucked here so Uber all the way home yeah not great Uber but... I knew it cunts is, yeah. that what, is that what the bear is named after <laughs> 98 Poma that's one hell. headache this morning for old Danny for the week nomination she, don't worry was she eating drunk Oh, I was sobered up by that point, mate. Believe me. As soon as he told you the price, I'd say you sobered up. All right. Wonder me, you probably need to bend your ass out of the fucking taxi bonnet to get fucking pay that shit off, man. To be honest with you, I felt fingered when I got in. So yeah. Okay. Look at you, Danny. Look at you. There's a nomination for Bellew of the Week from Danny for himself. Uh, David Coleman got in touch at the Asylum Bellew of the Week channel. Uh, nominated Adam Schmidt. Uh, Virgil Ortiz has no defence and Conor Ben has very good accuracy and can be slick at times. If Robles can implement defence into Virgil's skill set, then I'd say Virgil could win. But as of right now, Conor beats him easily. <laughs> the fiend boxing. Mm. Talk about fiend there, Andy. Conor beats Virgil easily, apparently. Yeah, apparently it does. So, but, uh, you know, Conor, Conor Ben's on commentary last night talking about what's good for, or what's good for other fighters' careers. But when the uh, fans, for example... Discuss what's good for Connor's career. It's like uh, he's not ready for that, mate. You know, having SEN talking about how he's put the weight on the division on notice and calls out like fucking Robert Guerrero, Adrian Brunner, who's like just off the back end of coke binge and fucking rehab, like a homeless bum. You know, fucking hell, man. Just get in the ring and fight someday. Who, by the way, it's going to be Chris Van Heerden that we're here next as well. Oh. Um, so we'll wait and see, but. Clearly, I think I think Eddie's going to be pu- pushing this guy as like the the pay per view star as such. I think in that, but he's under pressure actually because if he loses Ben, Joshua gets beaten his next fight. He's under pressure. He's struggling. Matthew Russell's not under struggling. Under pressure. No. no comment. He's dropped in no, a fiver no, 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 here. No. This is his body of work. Thanks for that fiver on the super chats, Matthew. Uh, very much appreciated. Let's have a look what else we've got here. Belly of the week nominated. From our friend Take Ames of chat fame and also of interviewing fame, one of the best interviewers around, if not the best, in my opinion, is Take Ames. But fight a fact, according to Boxing King Media, it's a tough night for Horgelina Giuanini going in against Ellie Scottney for the vacant WBA Super Bantamweight title. And then later on in the evening, going in against Johnny Fisher. Why not get battered twice for the price of one for Miss Giuanini? I think they made a bit of a mistake on the run down there. Good spot for Ames. Uh, Thomas Carty making a fight announcement. Delighted to announce I've been added to the Mick Conlon versus Lee Wood card. Big shout out to my manager, Dillian White, for the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Mikey Sanchez, nominated by Mick Shenzi and friend of the pod, Kevin Byrne. This card is frigging stacked of top fights, says Mikey. I think this may go down as the best fight card in ages. Move aside, Don King, 90 years young, Andy. You might be dying, but this is the best fight card in ages, according to Mikey Sanchez. Couldn't tell you what else was on it, but Conlon Wood is on the main event. Yeah, so who's this guy, Tom Carty, fighting? Uh, no idea. No opponent has been named as of yet, I don't think. But uh, no doubt they'll put him in well, against somebody handy. Uh, well, I would say that the most positive thing to come out of this, at least Tom Thomas Thomas McCarty, McCarty yeah. at least he's managed to locate Dylan White because Frank Warren can't. <laughs> where's he hiding? Do you think? Where's Where's he hiding? Behind his lawyer, I think. This sounds. Uh, so he's got to the nine. He's got to the nineteenth, which I think's next Saturday. I think it is Friday, Saturday. I think. He's got to sign the contract. If not, all bets are off. This This is seriously like uh, when when we got to see uh, Floyd against Canelo, along with uh, Matisse against Danny Garcia. You know, you're up there, up there card. Not quite, but let me tell you, Ozzy, this is the card. Let me see if you agree with um, 
the statement of Mr. Sanchez, the best card. You've got Gary Cully going against Miguel Vasquez, Terry Harper against Heather Hardy, uh, Jorge David Castaneda against Kid Galahad, Keevan Ajarko against TBA, and Sandy Ryan in a question mark times two rounds against Erika Annabella Farias. Gets me buzzing. I reckon that's that name, I mean, Farias. Uh, I'm glad I'm sat down because it's that good. I would have collapsed at the quality of it. I mean, fuck me. <laughs> you know, what a card. You know, Mikey Sanchez, you know, hiding behind who the fuck is that in his profile picture. Yeah, clearly hasn't got a fucking clue. I mean, the amusing thing is, is that he's gone bulu over the fact that Thomas Carty being added to it means it is now frigging stacked and it makes it one of the best cards of the decade. Thomas Carty will, Thomas Carty will probably fight some absolute no mark, some like fucking cabbage. And it'll make it, uh, you know, one of the best cards in the decade. These idiots just haven't got a fucking clue. That they are clueless, and oh, I, I don't even know how to describe them really. You know, apart from just repeatedly insulting them numerous times because, <laughs> you know, it's 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 decent. You know, you know, I think it's fairly solid if you're into women's boxing. There's a couple of fights on there that you know that might excite you. Um, but overall, you know, it, it's decent. But fuck me, fight card in decades. This guy's not got a fucking clue. Well, hang on, let me add a twist to it. Ooh. So, we all know Sandy Ryan's views on the Falklands. It just so happens that her next <laughs> yeah. opponent is from Argentina. Fuck Something yes. Yeah. Falklands. El Diego. La Pantera. <laughs> So, so I mean, um, listen, I will, I will talk to you about that one actually at a later date. But I'm on zone, I'm a big fan of the old El Cocaine. El Cocaine. There he is, there's a man. Um, I was just thinking, what was her comments about the Argentinian or the Falkland situation, by the way? Because uh, we'll never forget. Exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it needs to be justice for that royal, by the way. <laughs> they got destroyed, and for Simon Weston's face, so we need to get the fucking need to get this sorted out. Was was it was was it Ricky Gervais that that had the joke about the way that the that your military advantage over Argentina was basically the equivalent of like holding a midget out at arm's length and repeatedly it was. <laughs> <in the testicles>. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right, let's move on, shall we? Ian, Captain Chunk has nominated Conor McGregor, Tyson Fury, rapping oh, Rob Kelly. They're going back and hell. forward. Joe Joyce's name's getting mentioned here. Are you are you sitting back with a bit of popcorn, Rob, to this Fury versus McGregor feud? Yeah, geez, I didn't know anything about this. Up to Joyce's big Joe, you bottled with Billy Joe there. What were you doing there? You left him for Sachi twice. You done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> The Mac Daddy tonight in Miami D12 Bahamas Sky Juice. I don't know. Um McGregor's tweets are, are kind of and 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 social media posts lately are kind of along the lines of fucking a bit they're a bit I don't want to say he's taking his cue from Cleverly, but he's up there. You know that way? Makes always act low, look like Tolstoy, doesn't he? But I tell you what, forget <laughs> about forget about Jake Paul and all these guys that can fucking generate pay-per-view money. If fucking uh, Tyson Fury and Conor McGregor meet in a straightener with Big Joe Joyce fucking showing fair play. <laughs> That's fucking gonna bottle. That's gonna fucking absolutely batter any other pay per view numbers. Let me tell you. So yeah, up the joysters. I, I don't up know all the... the traveler community, by the way. Not taking particular sides in any of it. My son, betcha. I, 
I don't know about you guys, but Versace twat is in my vocabulary officially. That's fucking great. So I think Versace, if you look at Versace twat. So if you look at that under the dictionary, you're looking at some sort of fucking gay guy with a piano. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what, Rufus Wainwright, Liberace, is that Liberace? Liberace, oh, I think you're thinking. Liberace. Was that the guy? Is, is the father Ted Joe Gordugo says who was that guy? Ted was so good at fashion, they killed him. <laughs> Classic father Ted. Uh, here we are, Jer- uh, Jeremiah. Plenty, the second. That's plenty. Do you remember last time? When a young, talented boxer lost at the Olympics, then became the greatest boxer ever. 50 and 0, four different weight classes, and one of the richest athletes in the world. At Shakur Stevenson. Hashtag I've seen this before. And Mad Scorpion says Floyd got to 50 and 0 because he fought leftovers. Boxers that didn't go the distance his entire career. He only fought three undefeated boxer in 20 year career. Floyd, the leftover man, all time cherry picker. Getting nominated there, Rob, from Hands of Stone, the all time cherry picker. Who could argue with the with the fucking hands of stone man? If he says it, then that's what it is. You know what I mean? Shakur, Shakur Stevenson needs to stop with this as well. By the way, everybody, all these fighters, fucking Devin Haney's another one, isn't he? Anytime they could draw a parallel between them and Floyd, Floyd they'll post it on social media. Constantly. Just fucking do it. If you're going right. to be the next Floyd Mayweather, just go and fucking do it. Stop fucking. What? What's that six exclamation marks? Yeah. <laughs> Look at me, I just like Floyd exclamation marks. Angry ones. Fuck off, like go and fight. Um. But yeah, don't think Shakur. I think Shakur Stevens is a great fighter. I don't think he's gonna. Uh, yeah, emulate high Floyd bar though, isn't somehow. it? Floyd, high bar. Uh-huh. Ronnie Hussein, sorry I haven't dropped a tip lately. We'll be back on it. Get back on it. Make sure you do, Ronnie. Good to see you in the chat there. Uh, Joseph Ajayo is having a bit of beef with Bryce back and forward. Uh, Bryce or whatever you are called, refrain from following me, otherwise you won't like what will happen to you. Last warning, says the doctor. He's going to start throwing bombs at Bryce. It's getting personal. It's getting tougher over on the Twitter land. We shall move on before we get involved in this one. Uh, Arthur Day, and that's Brian King, has nominated Ryan at RyanST16 underscore. Met my idol today, Bosch. Which one's he referring to here, Andy? Eddie's there down in the bottom. We've got the blonde bomber. Not sure who yeah, the other see, ones are. One of the top right Johnny Fisher's dad, I'm sure. <laughs> right. the one in, is that Johnny Fisher in the bottom left there, I think, possibly? Oh, there you are. They know who, I, who who's that dickhead in the right there, actually, the, the bottom right picture. Is that the Botox Lego sex doll? Oh, there we go. That's who it is, mate. What's happened with the fucking Dulux and the fucking beard he's got there, man? He needs to get that washed out. These days, the sex doll is just rattling. Everywhere you go, it's just rattling. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Bosch. I, fucking, what do you call him? James English has even had her on the podcast, man. James fucking English. Fucking hell, man. Steve, fucking I've got to make an apology. Oh, yes. I've got, I've got to make an apology. So, I, um, I did text the... Uh, the boxing nutters messenger group while I was at yes. the fight and said that Miss Miss Bridges was in sight and I, I could I get should I get a photo with her? Obviously, a lot of people asked for it, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So sorry. Oh, why not? Come on. I well, I get accused of all sorts by you lot, so that's a good start. Accused, that's a good reason not to. Be your man, mate. Fuck whatever. So I just gone up to her and said, so "I see you have some tattoos." She would have <laughs> fucking been all over that. Can I see the Phoenix, mate? See the Phoenix, mate. So tell us about the tattoos, Ebony. Only if you're wearing your sunglasses inside. <laughs> I'll snort that ink off your legs, bitch. 
Well, what about snorting this ink? Joe Calzaghe picture. He's got a fine oh, pair on him. Kimu Ambi by portrait has been nominated by Cedric Sniff. Now I'm going to say, look, when it comes to these pictures and stuff, we have a bad, we have a bad yeah, record. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly pictures. This, this guy, I was looking at his record. I was, looking at, his, I was looking at his other drawings, and he is a good drawer. They're hit and miss. Maybe not so much hit with the Calzaghe one here, but the, some of the other ones are good, Rob. So I think it's fair. This one is more. Can more hit and miss. This is more photo fit and miss. This one is. Yeah. Can, can I just ask a question? Is an Everton fan the guy who drew this picture? No, it's not. Yeah, okay, so thank you. No. No. <laughs> was a little loose in the chest area. He really didn't have, you know, like. Yeah, and they, and they didn't have the type of biceps. They didn't have the you guns. Kiss the muscles. Kiss the muscles is looking broody in that one, isn't he? Yeah. No lips. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's just waiting for the fucking Crime Stoppers music to come in. Don't remember. Sleep tight. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Jack, Jack WD in the chat that says that he drew it in Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought that? <laughs> you ever thought that, like, for one. Looks year, like a long it, train station. <laughs> just just long word. It would be great for just one year in a courtroom to have the person that does caricatures at the beach doing the courtroom drawings. I think that would put a whole different mood into murder trials. No, no you know who they need. Ozzy, do you remember that guy who used to draw boxing pictures and then work got a bit tough and he started drawing pictures of like people shagging and all and like. Oh, I God, those really like explicit pictures. He was like, like, like blokes shagging women up the arse and like really <laughs> random Who stuff, was wasn't it? Who was it? Oh, Let's not do it on the couch. I can't oh. remember. I blame I'll, I'll, I'll find out. I'll find out. Now. I'll find out. Now. Uh, I think John, John, John Evans on the moon. He's quite well known, isn't he? I thought it was Danny. <laughs> seven years, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he took seven years to get there, though. Seven years. seven years to draw that picture it took him. Anyway, let's move on. The uh, Lions in the camp. Mi- Mystic SZN uh, says Frank Warren and Bob Arum are the past. Eddie Hearn and Jake Paul are the future boxing promotion. Kellen Art, that's who it was, mate. Kellen Art. All oh, right, okay, there you go. Couldn't remember. Kellen Art. Yeah, future boxing promotion. Oh, man, like Jake Paul's hair is translucent. <laughs> Looks like he's having a great time there. <laughs> Go go back to look at Eddie there, mate. He's got his Botox and he's got the fucking plugs fucking shaped back there, looking good. Either you end. just you just wish you had a full head of hair and high cheekbones mate, too. Do I fuck? <laughs> how much money in time did Eddie put into that hair? Obviously, the, I don't know how much hair plugs cost. It must cost a couple of grand at least, right? I'm fucking all natural. Ow. He's fucking unnatural. What the fuck? It's a business expense if you know how to work exactly. your taxes. <laughs> Almost all find me a sexy man. Fucking Eddie's got you fucking paid for his. Yeah, Patrick Killian Art, by the way, boys, is the drawer. Uh, it's not Art Man who's got iced off Twitter, by the way. Art Man. The Mexicans called him at the last night and he took uh, the bait, mate. Is that what it oh, was? Beautiful to see. RIP Art Man. Uh, next one here. Uh, Just Les says if the zone goes pay per view, I'm not buying it and I'm cancelling. I can stream their fights for free anyway. I only pay because it's reasonable. And then Fat Grass. Dan gets jumped in with a load of alerts. Hey, the zone boxing might want to look into theft here. That's bad form from Grass. Dan there, Andy. Grass. A fucking tote. An absolute tout, that's what he is. But they, they must be giving him a coupon him. for a free Big Mac every time you report someone. Yeah, nah, mate, it doesn't matter. He's a tout. The fat cunt. He's a fat cunt, mate. He can fuck off. I don't know why he's doing that. <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. Probably, he, he he's been on his... the phone bandwagon for a little while now, hasn't he? Tweeting out I'm, all sorts I'm, of just left right I'm gonna keep names quiet and off the off the air here, but I've had people within Sky, BT 
professional fighters put, actually DM me or have their mates DM me asking for links, right? So they're at it as well. So we're all fraternity here. We're all brothers at the end of the day and that. So he's all up in arms about this. Grass. He's all up in arms about someone stealing and his own subscription, but uh, you know he does. He's fine, like interviewing all the MTK fighters. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who are a great bunch of lads. Hundred percent agree with him, Rob. Yeah, exactly. Right. They should interview them. I'm just saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing wrong there. Nothing to say here. Nothing to say here oh, either. Bumps it. <laughs> Steve Bunt's boxing correspondent. I remember where that was. It. That was. That was. That was. That was uh, I interviewed Nigel Ben did back way back, obviously. Holy oh, fuck, fuck, man! He looks like the last member of the young ones. He looks like a distraught Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> it looks like Boris Johnson after he has to change his hair color and to get it with a high weight gain. Look at fucking bones. Look at him. It's what? What kind of? What kind of style is that? Is a short top and a long sides? I don't. Well, that's, I don't that's, that's, that's it's, really it's either that or do the Shields hairline. What would you do, Rob? Well, I wouldn't sit in the chair and say, "Give me the long back and sides." Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in and I say double zero. That's all I walk in for. That's all I say. Double zero, baby. <laughs> Who are these cowards that are finding old pictures of Steve Bunce? Cowards. <laughs> yeah. I know. Come back. Come back 30 years to find them, too. Sad bastards. Fuck's sake. Bastard. Get a life. Get a fucking life. Get a life. Uh, Mighty Max says, Tony Bell, you is hilarious and so naturally likable. <laughs> Should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. Joe Keith. Kennedy. <laughs> He's at it there. He's at it, Mighty Max. He's got Mr. Personality. Was it uh, was Bell your ex from the zone last night? Because I didn't see him do, didn't doing see the uh, things with Rosado uh, and uh, Connor. Just leave him alone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Leave him alone. He's spending time with his wife and kids. You don't need to leave him alone, won't you? Yeah, sorry, no, sorry. Like, sorry, Anthony. Why did he disappear? Well, I can't have a weekend off. Tony died. That'll be the end of him now, like Maya Jammer. We'll never see him again. Right, anyway. Well, uh, I'll see her again. Well, speak for yourself. On boxing, <laughs> boxing four twenty UK. I'm nominating thirsty alleged boxing fans. Blonde bomber tweeted out, "Look who snuck into my bed tonight." Bloody Ste- uh, Levy Steffi. Uh, Big Jurassic Jesus. says, "Chat about last night's boxing and how you it will do against Fury." Then pillow fight in your pants. A standard, I'm guessing. <laughs> Fuck's sake, what? don't let us all down. And then Jimmy says, "I wish I could sneak into your bed, not for sleep either." And then Banjo Split kind of went one above and them beyond. He said, "Fucking strap one on and smash one into it." Then. <laughs> don't want. To- <laughs> Don't want to see any of that muffin out rubbish. Get balls deep. <laughs> what a romantic. Christ There's no cooth left in the world. What? OnlyFans is still an option then. <laughs> Against oh, that man. Facebook group. Yeah. <laughs> Against the Anthony Bridges Facebook group, Rob. I actually had one. I'll come back to it. I have one for, for. Let me see if I can WhatsApp it to you quickly, Steve. Uh, for my nominations. Excuse me, sir. This is Twitter, not a chatterbait uh, line. Uh, right. Uh, Andy, you sent me this one. Who did it better? Chris Lloyd and this <laughs> That looks like someone going up to Ebony, I think, there, Andy. <laughs> that, uh, that, that pitch on the right hand side is one of those pitches you get ten in the nightclubs and that when there's like you know parties going right, on over right. that. So as you can see, the, the, the young lady in the right has got fake tan up her neck on the knuckles, not that type of thing. Uh, I forget who the female on the left is, it's an Australian boxer. What's her name again? Chris Lloyd done pretty well last night, not to look at her uh, her, um, her cleavage because it was uh, pretty well exposed. So uh, well done to Chris Lloyd for uh, 
bypassing that, no being a, a typical toxic alpha male, basically. Yeah. No Down with that side of thing. Yeah, yeah, no time for toxic alpha males on this show. <laughs> yeah, who's got the bigger tits, though? Chris Lloyd or that, uh, that woman? The Chris Lloyd. Zaggy portrait. It's all kicking off in Clev's household. Ricky Graville sending a <laughs> King <guy>. Clev update. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> 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 Is he no? Is he praying? Is he seriously praying there, or what's going on? Yeah, no he's idea what is going on. He's in front of the fucking God Squad channel on fucking Sky on his knees, playing the fucking the bearded man asking for a favor. They fucking save your dog. I think the guy. I think he might have fuck, uh, converted to Islam, and he's tripping out and thinks his dog is a prayer rug. No, and the dog is the dog is out of it anyway. Any move, Sparky, move. I, I think the dog obviously must have found the fucking stash of fucking weed and just chewed right through it. Just, just right the dog's just cut ten pounds nice and easy, and <laughs> hey, well, mate, he's not going to be up at a count of ten in the fucking state of middle of that one. The, the, the dog is up at eight. I bet you, actually, because of the beats here, so it must be a bitch. Is he sacrificing <laughs> the dog? <laughs> <laughs> Right, Rob, I've got yours come through here. Let's look at it live and exclusively here. Uh, here we Sebastian, go. Sebastian Maru. Hi, boxing fans. I'm doing some research on how Ebony Bridget brand experience influences the intention to watch her fights. I'd really appreciate if you could fill out this short survey. Five minutes. Retweet. Much appreciated. Promoted tweet, Rob. Where'd you find this one? Well, it was promoted, obviously, so it was fucking somewhere, somewhere <laughs> in the algorithm. No, I didn't. I thought I'd throw it to the listeners. So I think you can see the guy's... Um, fucking Twitter handle there, so we're going to go on to his Twitter profile and engage him. He's obviously, for some fucking reason, <laughs> what does he want to know? Like, Yeah, exactly. So he wants to know will anybody who's maybe suggesting that Ebony Bridges um, straps up, <laughs> how interested they are in her fights, basically. That He wants to see what the correlation is between between the perverts to follow around Ebony Bridges and uh, pay-per-view numbers. I'm sure there's a fucking... There's method to his madness some way. I can't see what he's trying to achieve from this, but maybe the listeners can help him out and figure out their quick survey. Yeah, well, I certainly know nice if we friend. forward it on, the gad would like to respond. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a fucking dissertation. He get around and get a thesis, <laughs> thesis instead of a fucking survey. <laughs> Muhammad Ali. Thank Leave God. it to 12 pages, please, gad. That's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, this one has come in. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh worried about this oh, one, but let's, uh, let's, yeah, we'll let's see where see. we end up. Very good holiday, Jamie. That's Jamie thing, McDonald, mate. lovely day trip today around Auschwitz. Opens your eyes a lot. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm just thinking there, right? So he, he, what was on his mind, man? Like? Well, hang on, Robbie. He's got he's got the earphones and clearly talking about the time when some poor Jewish person got put on the slab and his teeth pulled out before he got put in the fucking fire. And this thing, they're like, let's have a fucking selfie. Fuck me. Yeah, <laughs> like, honestly, like, man, like, everything don't have to go on social media. Put it that way. Right? Sometimes yeah. you can just visit a place or have to take a picture to, to show that you were there. That's probably a good example. So as much as I could say about this topic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's not classy to take a picture of yourself at sites at, at, at Auschwitz. It's it's even uh, it's it's even less classy 
to have a shit-eating grin on your face when you're taking pics at, at, at Auschwitz like that. Like, it's like right next to the gas chambers, OMG, still best hot dogs in, Pol- in, in Germany. You know, like, stop, no, stop, stop, stop him. Stop him, now. Yeah. Yeah. I, know, I, I, I know Jamie was going to do a bad time with the missies. I don't know if this is his baby mama, for example, but if it is... What a hell of a hole that he fucking patch out with, man. Let's go to fucking Auschwitz. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave that one. Back, back to back to Ebony and the guard pretty quickly. That's all Just the ones I've got, but that's Frank's probably house. probably more than enough for this week. We've uh, we've had a good laugh, haven't we? Let's see what the boys have got. Uh, Matthew, starting with you. What have you got for Belly of the Week, episode four six one? I had something, but I I lost it. Come back to me and see if I can find where the shit I wrote that down here. Can't guarantee we'll come back, Matty. You know what my head's like, but I'll try my best. Andy, anything from you? Yeah, I've got a few, mate. Um, Jamal Charlo doing everything he can to duck fights, getting arrested for bat- battering his fucking family or household members. Uh, I believe he got arrested the other day there. Was it the 12th, I think it was? Yesterday, I think it was. At 10 in the morning for smacking the shit out of somebody. So uh, Jamal needs to, just needs to quell that anger a wee bit and just fucking date on the ring. They said just he beat up someone in his ring. family. <laughs> Was it was it Jermel or Jermel that he beat up? Was it the other one? Jermel. Jermel. <laughs> so was he beat up someone in the family? I wonder if it was the brother. I don't think he has much to be worried about, man. Like I think the yeah, boxers normally get off pretty good on the on the assault charges. It's when you kind of when you cross the world in, and into something more sinister, you you get a bit you're tight. So look at Kovalev, like. Kovalev had about four fucking payoffs, pay-per-view fights where he was up on charges for fucking smacking ones around on airplanes and all that. People don't give a shit about that, man. He'll be all right. Chad will be back fighting again. Uncle Al will tie that up. You see, good lawyer, he'll get off of that. Like. thing is, Andy, though, like I said to Robert, it's a pity they don't let their hands go as frequently in the wing. Yeah, the wing exactly. These boys want to do outside This is the fucking thing. And I wonder if you bring up Brian Garcia just off the back end of this. He's got a nomination as well for other shit that he's talking recently after saying that you know, he split for Team Canelo because he wanted independence, wanted his own gym, wants to build a better brand. This fucking dude's got some nerve. He hasn't even, he's fought four times in four years. And he's fucking talking about building a brand. Fucking fight. Then you can build a brand you can't. You're saying, like, say, for example, I think it's time. It's like having a, it's like having your own apartment. You get tired of renting, so you want to go and get your own place. No, dude, it's not like that. You're a fucking boxer. He's you know? a prick, isn't he? Like I was all under Ryan Garcia hype train after the Campbell fight, and I was like, yes, let's get these fucking fights made. He's talking that shit about Travante. Let's get him in there. Like, make these fights happen. And then I thought back. Remember, he fucking made contract with Golden Boy through a big strop as well, didn't he? On YouTube and had a fucking he renegotiated his terms with Oscar, like pretty much through the media. He's had a, a mental health break, which I'm not against. Obviously, everybody fucking has. Jesus Christ, man. The amount of fucking nervous breakdowns I'm almost after having. I can't even count them. So I can empathize with anybody that's going through something. But I honestly think that it's all a bit disingenuous, uh, the way he plays it out on social media. And I think there may be a party lifestyle that he's hiding there to the public yeah. in a major way. And that's what's... Because Canelo made some comments about him, didn't he? Like saying, like, you know, we were all big Ryan Garcia yep. fans, but we want to see him do it in the ring. If there was genuine mental health stuff going on there, I don't think Canelo would make comments like that. Like, I don't think he's that kind of character. I think he's... He was... Um, reading between the lines there, I think there was there was something more to that. Like, so Goosen is a strange choice, I think, for me, um, as a replacement for Reynoso as well, by the way. But for Ryan, for a fighter like Ryan Garcia, I mean, he would have been the last trainer I would have thought he'd go to. Not that he's not a good trainer, but... Um, uh, he's grown a bit like he wants to be like he's becoming a strong man he's making his own decisions that's the bottom line you need to respect that he's not a kid this type of bollocks not 
You know, he's, he, 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 I think he even said something along the lines of, you know, he felt like his brand can hold up to like Floyd Mayweather's. I mean, fucking hell. You know, Floyd Mayweather's brand compared to fucking Ryan Garcia. Now, I know Floyd's getting sued a fair bit these days and that. I know Jake Paul's or Logan Paul's got him in the and thing of that, but come on. He needs to, your legacy is built in the fucking ring. What happens outside of that, you build off what you do, your success in the ring. You can't fucking do it. This is the fucking problem with these kids nowadays. They think because they've got like a million, two million followers on Instagram, fucking whatever it is, they think they're stars. You go fucking Dave Haney and Tiafimo Lopez arguing at ringside about fucking how many tw- followers yeah, I've got. I, mean, dude, I used to think on. that too. I used to think that too, but really what it is is we're dinosaurs because nothing's real anymore. Money's not real. It's fucking magic beans. Fucking JPEGs are worth money now. Uh, the metaverse yeah. is More a fucking than four real channels, thing. Rob. Yeah, where people can't buy land that doesn't exist in a fucking virtual. So what the fuck do we know? You know yeah. what I mean? Right, guys. He is supposed to say maybe he's getting point. a gym in the metaverse. And we the, don't know. Ba- <laughs> the baby shark song has ten billion views on YouTube, and Jack the Ripper doesn't have a million on Spotify. Rob, what the all right, fuck I'm, is that? All right, relax. We're close enough. Three quarters of a million. Now you have another break. Then. No, no, I know. Let's push that. Shit. Let's push, let's push that shit. I've got one more, Steve, uh, and it's for Robert Easter Jr. for getting involved in a bit of a dispute. They ended up in him being shot and put in hospital, but he's going to survive. But apparently someone tried to steal his gold chains and rings and cell phone before fleeing the scene. So, Do you think uh, maybe Rob Easter Jr. could be accused of not moving so smart as a professional athlete? Well, I'm just thinking that. I, said, I was looking for comments within the police department statements about Adrian Brunner being present, but he wasn't there, so... That's I swear. He got shot three maybe times, twin, didn't he, maybe it, was, maybe it was twin, possibly. I don't this, know. This is just another example of him failing to win because he didn't get off first. Well, who could have seen this one ending badly for Robert Easter Jr. when he used to go to his fights and see the entourage consisted of Broner and another 20 like-minded individuals um, shouting him on and like, you needed to get away from Broner, didn't you? Robert Easter Jr. was a good fighter, man. He could have been a lot better. Um, And, you know, associating with AB, I don't know if that's the fucking right move. So who knows what kind of moves he's making. You have to watch yourself, professional fighters. Remember, if you're wearing something that's fucking... People could go feed their family with maybe don't be out at two in the morning at the gas station with it on you. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to fucking try and advise you. I don't live in your world. Like, but, you know. That's good advice there. Uh, Andy, is that all of yours? Yes, my mate, on you. Excellent. Ozzy, any from you? Yeah, one for Dazone, actually. So, the um, on the app, which I've been flagged to because I don't own the app due to uh, I access it from other resources. Um, don't, tell Dan, uh, don't tell Dan Raphael. <laughs> no, no, God, no, Pat Dan that'd be uh, all over trying to grasp me up the fat idiot. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, so the zone on the, on the Felix Cash fight last uh, from last night, they've put up the highlights but have removed the knockdowns against Felix Cash. Those bitches. So, oh. I mean, <laughs> basically, the best bits of the fight, they've removed. They've just completely removed the, uh, the knockdowns of Felix Cash, so... They've put up, uh, it's basically North Korean style that yeah. they've removed anything <laughs> negative against their, uh, against their home. I was going to say, I was going to say, who's running the fucking social media channels? Hess. <laughs> it's like Sam Eggington when he left Sky, they took down all of his wins and left up all of his losses on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Hammer's been on so, the account, yeah. One for uh, one for the zone. Uh, good stuff, Danny. Any from you, sir? Yeah, just. 
just Connor Ben for me, just talking shit constantly. Like, and, and, and it just goes to show like he's, he's trying to get a potential fight with, with Eubank. And then he's promoters talking about Chris Van Heerden. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a load of tosh in it. So yeah, just Connor Ben. Yeah, for me. I, I, I put it out last night. I said, Conor Ben was punting last night and he, he was talking about dam- domestic dance partners to Felix Cash and he referenced Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr. Yet, when it comes to him or came to him fighting domestic opponents, Ben and his team completely dismissed it. So it's talk about, you know, like, you want one thing for your own stable, mate, but when it comes to you doing the same thing, you completely dismiss it. So, yeah, I echo the Conor Ben nomination there because for being Conor Ben, basically. Literally yep. echo it. Oz, what's going on in the background there? That's what I was going to say. Oz, are you close to me by any chance? You sound like you're very fucking nearby. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not me. I think that's bouncing. Not... Yeah, that was bouncing off Danny. It was Danny Young. I was going to say it wasn't me, that. He, he, was, trans- he was transmitting the broadcast back to the mothership. Transmission. Translucent, transgender, Danny. Uh, you done, you, done nomina- you done a nomination, didn't you, Dan? Yeah, Connor Ben and a transgender. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to get gonna banned. Get we're going to get us banned. We're going to get us banned. Next podcast got, live on fucking Bitchute. Kenny well. Keith got thrown off speaker tonight, he was saying, and I heard during the week one of the other pods got their Discord server completely knocked down, so... It's only a matter of time, isn't it? Might as well enjoy it while we're here. Last days of Caligula. <laughs> I, I remembered my nomination, Steve. Not how yes, I fucking envisage the last days of Caligula, by the way, on the fucking pod with six years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I All I know is I'm not going to go to the uh, to the island with the farm animals and my cousins. That ain't going to happen. I can no Caligula. Is that your nomination? No, no Caligula <laughs> shit for this guy, though. Just throwing that out there. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it, it's not for all Italians, you know. I, I hate these stereotypes, Steve. Hate them. Um, yeah. But it, it was. Uh, it what was are you gonna pretty... do? What are you gonna do? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey there was no one else around, so there was no horse. Hey, uh, what are you gonna so, do about it? Anyway, what are you gonna uh, do about it? My, my nomination would be also from the Dazone broadcast, but it would be for Gabe Rosado, who was uh, visibly frustrated after seeing that decision when he put in a more uh, a better shout for beating Jacobs in than Ryder did, and he had to watch it happen. Happen and the guy get a, a potential title shot off of that. Oh, 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 I'll tell you what, though. That fringe was outrageous, get... man. She would get fucking. He, he deserves to get robbed for that fringe. Yeah. Gabe Brasado, though, came out and said after it, no, Danny Jacobs know what it feels like to get robbed because he ro- I was robbed exactly against him. So I thought that was quite amusing. But <laughs> uh, a, a couple of other things, actually. It's not a Bell You of the Week, but a uh, but, uh, big shout out to uh, Big Max, part of Team Porky Promotions. He went to Estonia and uh, won on his professional debut. Uh, I don't know if it was via points or via a stoppage, passing some sort of clips. Was it a knockout? So, yeah, Big Max, you know, he's gone gone abroad, done it the hard way, didn't go his cut man or his corner man, no trainer yet, and he's gone there and got the stoppage win. So uh, he'll be coming to a Hobson show near you soon to fight Cash Alley, no doubt. And then the other one I've just seen uh, in the chat as well from Fat as a Pig Michelin Man. Uh, if we can try and get a clip of Fat Dan's chair collapsing at a press conference, that would be a good addition. So if somebody can send that video to Steve Wellens, that would be a fantastic addition next week. Did that I've really never seen happen? That. I've never seen that before. Fat Dan, his chair collapsing at a presser. So 
Absolutely, I want to see that footage. It'd be amazing to see Fat Dan stand up one day. Actually, the seat actually kind of sticks to his ass at the same time. <laughs> you know? I don't mind. I don't mind. Right, these chairs can take the weight of a fucking lot of people, but the fact that that fat idiot has sat down and broke the chair. He has two chairs, Ozzy. Usually, whenever I've yeah. been being side with him. Yeah, but mate, that's, that makes it even worse. Then that <laughs> the fucking two chairs have collapsed. <laughs> and the fucking. You know, fuck me, and he has just collapsed the chairs. My God, that is some effort, that. And he's made no effort to lose any weight either. It's not as if, you know, all right. I mean, if it was me, and I'm sitting down on a chair, and it collapses because I am that fat, I'd be doing everything I can to lose weight. And the fat punk has just put more weight on Can someone... A lot of fat, lot of fat shaming going on on this part tonight, guys. You know, you know what I mean? Can someone, can someone do a compilation of Ozzy's best rants and put it into one? I think it'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's, they're, they're not as frequent as Dave Allen retired. He was really going to get his back up, didn't he, Dave Allen? <laughs> Maybe st- Sticky Levi or whatever should what, take since, his place. Since, since the quote has come to UK shores, though, with that fucking hairline, then they have made a comeback, though, haven't they? <laughs> You're going to get Poor a challenge boy. to be Bobby Riggs. <laughs> right. Who hasn't thrown in? Rob, have you, you haven't thrown in, have you? No, just the guy who's doing the fucking research on Ebony Bridges' impact on her social media fans compared to her pay-per-view buys. It's uh, it's a, it's the fucking, it's the info I needed anyway. I, I wanted to find out more about So get, make sure you fill out that questionnaire for that, geezer. Uh, Eddie as well. Ethan, Ed, how are you, pal? I don't know, I'm sure you spoke about it. I got our ladies a bit there. Uh, Seems a bit, there's something wrong with him, isn't it? It's not his usual jovial self uh, over the last couple of weeks. Wonder why. I don't know, but I heard uh, from a reliable like source. One's getting the enemy. <laughs> Very reliable source in the game. A guy called Little Known Guy, you might know, might have heard of him. Michael Benson uh, has broken news that the Haney, for, Haney is no longer an option for Cambosis. <laughs> so. That's kind of it's a bit of a, a bit of a run he's on at the moment for not delivering these big fights that he's talked up now. You know, obviously it's not his fault, so it's not going to be his fault. Like it's going to be uh, Cambosis Senior's fault, Cambosis Junior's fault, Lomachenko's fault, Bob Aaron's fault, Frank Warren's fault, Umar IFL Umar's fault. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Even in Ed, I think you just need to relax a bit, dude. You know what I mean? Chill out. Don't be getting so fucking ruffled. Don't let, be letting your feathers get so ruffled. It's not good for business. Um, so hopefully, you know, something happens in the boxing world in the next couple of weeks where we get a fight made, uh, and then he might cheer up a little bit. But it's been a grim run for Ed, even Ed. I, I'm just hey, gonna throw this hey, out there. Hey. We should really like start a Twitter campaign when Cambosis' next fight is uh, announced to get Father Dave on the undercard. He's a priest, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> That'll be some fight, <laughs> but uh, but honestly, like you know, we get we get a bit carried away sometimes. We give Ed a bit too much, and we say you know Ed is unscrupulous and he's a liar. But at the end of the day, all the promoters are unscrupulous and they're all liars. And at the moment, none of the fucking fights are getting made. So I don't give a shit who's to blame. Just somebody get a fucking sword and then we can fucking crack on with talking about what we're supposed to be talking instead of talking about these fucking idiots and their turtlenecks. Well said. No more turtlenecks. Right, let's pick who we've... Oh, there's a good couple there, Andy, tonight. Jamie McDonald's a strong one. The Ebony, I like the Ebony tweets coming back and forward. Who are you going for, Andy? I am going for Jimmy McDonald, mate. I just... That was absolutely, fantastically outrageous to see all the fucking... Rep- I actually sat and read every reply that he got to these messages. Um, tremendous. Tremendous outrage. I loved it. Absolutely loved it, mate. 
You know, the guy's had a hard time mate, recently. He's not been seeing his daughter. He's had problems with substance abuse. And because we know how it takes a wee self with his missus, you know, so let him be happy. This isn't be begging happy. for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the dog, man. He's my saviour. <laughs> right, Jamie McDonald. Oh, so he going for? Yeah, it's, it's got to be Jamie McDonald. I mean, fuck me. He's made national headlines now. I think the sun have covered yeah, it. Just oh, really? Aye. Yeah, the yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind as well. He's meant absolutely nothing by it either. He's I just know. uploaded like harmless pictures, saying you know, like we're basically we're here at Auschwitz, and the comments he got. Just, you know, like, fucking hell, man! That's just terrible. You're, you're celebrating. You're celebrating my dead relatives and stuff like that. I just think, fuck me. He had. He, he meant shame nothing there, by it. He meant he's, nothing by it at all, but he's, he's yeah, fucked. he's got no comebacks. He's got no TV deal. They're going to disown him now, mate. He's fucked. But yeah, he's made he's made the da- he's made the Daily Mail the, and the Sun uh, and the Daily Star as well. Oh, so the all the big headlines are here, is it? Yeah. Boxer Jamie McDonald deletes inappropriate Auschwitz pictures pictures after fan backlash. So yeah, uh, he, he may have to delete the pictures. But he can get an award for deleting the pictures. Uh, Danny, who are you going for? I can't go for Jamie McDonald. I just I couldn't even take a picture of Auschwitz without just your normal picture. Never mind a selfie. But so it's a bit, it's a bit, bit, bit close to the bone that one. So yeah, gonna avoid that. I'd like to go for Adam Smith, but I think that was last week. So I do like the ducking and weaving there from from the <laughs> um, from the weirdo himself. But um, for me this week, it's got to be. Asking Ebony Bridges to whack a strap on and go balls deep on that yeah. black sister. That's That's the one yes. yes, I am with him. That's two for that. I'm going for that too. What about you, Matty? Are you going for that as well? Yes, yes. If that, that guy trying to direct an Ebony Bridges porno through Twitter is a fucking creepy yeah. individual. Count out, pal. It's not babe station. Just shut the fuck out. <laughs> right, two for Jamie, three for Ebbs. Could be all riding on you, rapping Roberto. Who are you going for? Um, yeah, we go for Ebbs. Why not? Like, why not? Uh, the fella who's directing Ebbs in the replies. Ebony Bridges' replies are gold, by the way. She could just say, Cold outside tonight. And everyone's like, I wouldn't mind cuddling up with you. And I don't mean just for cuddling either, by the way. You know what I mean? We're having sex That's with just you. the gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to penetrate you. <laughs> Congratulations, Ebony. You are the value of the week winner for episode 461. Yeah, the boys have sent me pictures of. Rick, uh, uh, Ricky, uh, Fat Dan's chair collapsing and other uh, bits and pieces, but we'll have to hold them for next week, I'm afraid, for episode 462, when Matty will be in the hot seat. Thanks for everybody who's been on tonight, including Ozzy, Andy, Danny Young, Matty. We've had Rob on as well. We've had Andy Clark. We've had John Ryder. Ozzy, just before I thank the Super Chatters, I believe you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, <laughs> that fucking chair never stood a chance with Fat Dan's weight piling on it. My God. RIP the chair. Yeah, we'll get that for next week, hopefully. We will indeed. Like uh, England versus Argentina all over again. It's happening. It's collapsed under pressure. No pressure on the super chatters. Who have we had tonight? We've had Michael Thompson. We've had Ryan Petit. We've had Clouds Gaming. We've had Ricky Graville. We've had Chris Burns, Danny Young, and Matthew Russell. Thanks to everybody who's been on. We've had a good laugh as always. Enjoy it while it's here, everybody. (laughs) Enjoy it while it's here. I've been your host, Steve Wellings. See you all again, same time, same place next week. Or earlier, if we get the 150 likes for the post-fight pod, Khan versus Brooke, it is in your hands, dear people. It's in your hands, boy.
we'll never forget. Yeah, we just got up. We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking so I can fight me. I, I fell asleep. I, I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven year eight. Seven year eight. I will fucking smash fucking you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. Simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.